and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes? How you doing? I'm filled with wonder. We're in a new world. New sights to see. We have finally moved in. We have finally moved in. You have finally moved into your new place. And uh, as such, the BP studio has moved with you. Um, We're surrounded by boxes and bare walls at the moment. Right. But that just means all the more for me to imagine. We're in a world, a land of imagination. I would have thought that the terrible parking situation would have (laughs) sucked out any joy uh, from this experience. I could turn it on and off. Okay, okay, fair enough. (laughs) We've been doing this ten and a half years. (laughs) I could come in here fucking miserable. That's true. And give you gold. That's true. Uh, Solid gold. Yeah. Um, How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm still pretty stressed out. I'm mean, still in the, in the middle of moving. Yes. Yeah. Yes, very much so. This is like, I mean, this, this, this is like for you or for anyone, a version of hell because you have been moving for almost a month. Like, oh, well, you know we've what I'm been, saying? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's good. Like, all the ways that you could make, like, design a hell for someone. If, say, you were, you know, you, you know, uh, Ted Danson's character on The Good Place or whatever, sure. and you're designing a hell, um, it could be a hell where you're just always in the moving process. Oh, my God. Or the gosh, house slash moving process where it just goes on forever. Just, and you, you make a play, you just write a play called Escrow. And, uh-huh. uh, and it's just that all the time. And I guarantee everybody in that audience would be like oh yeah no exit's pretty good i guess but escrow yeah holy shit yeah now i can relate to this it is the worst that we we were in escrow for two months it's usually one wow. but as you try to as it turns out when you are selling a place and buying a place that is uh doubly complicated but isn't that how it usually goes uh probably yeah but yeah. it's my first time doing it because right. we just rented the place on Witset. right um so yeah um and what's funny is, uh, telling our guests this, uh, and I'm sure David mentioned it, we moved a half a block away. Like we were just right over there yeah. and now we're over here and just on moving day when I, the movers had everything packed up and they said, Oh, so where are we going? I was like, follow me on foot like i was on foot you follow me in the trucks and then when they when i finally arrived they got out of the truck and were laughing and they're like man it just like it seems like a lot of work for a lot of trouble for half a for not a quarter of a mile and it's like yeah Yeah, what are you gonna do otherwise yeah i mean i did toy with the idea of getting like 25 friends and having them just from (laughs) from one house to the next and just have them hand boxes along i wonder like there's got to be like a party service from which you can rent like a zip line probably yeah (laughs) like i wonder if that would have been cheaper than movers to just rent a zip line and some fashion some sort of harness and just like toss box after box then my friends would love to (laughs) to come and they could hold the box but you know they'd probably drop it but anyway uh so yes very stressed but i'm not gonna let that dampen my mood and then you're not you're not gonna let it stop you from reading sponsored content (laughs) What are you talking about? <laughs> Not sponsored content. No. An ad. I do this uh, 100% of my own volition. This episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online seminar that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy, all for only $5.99 a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Uh... Like last week, unfortunately, uh, because we're doing this off day, I, ha- I don't ha- 
have uh, a recommendation except to say check out all of Mubi. Yeah, it's Mubi's amazing. Great. That's the that's the good thing about curated content is. Mubi stands by everything that's there. I would venture to say that the people that uh, that run Netflix don't stand by every movie that is featured on Netflix. Probably not even the stuff that's uh, funded by Netflix. No, yeah, I mean, especially their movies, because they're, they're signing deals where it's like, hey, we have Rogue One, plus these 800 other movies that we had to take in order to get Rogue yes. One. Yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, so be, uh, be sure to check out Mubi, and there is a special offer for listeners of Battleship Pretension. You can try Mubi free for one month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I.com, slash Battleship to redeem now. And I would like to tell you about TweakedAudio.com, which is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great and they sound great. Tyler and I both use them each and every day of our lives and they're available at a low low price these earbuds over there at tweakedaudio.com uh but if you hold on a second don't be too eager i want you to be eager to buy earbuds from tweakedaudio.com but not so eager that you miss this very important message which is that you can get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges if you use uh, shipping charges if you use the offer code pretension at checkout so go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension what makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tyler? Yes? No more, no, no more fucking around. Let's Aww. get to our guest. All right. Uh, this guy's all business. <laughs> yeah. He's a, a, a first-time guest, but someone I have... Um, he's one of many people fittingly for this topic today. He's one of many film blogger people who live in Los Angeles, but whom I mostly see once a year in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I'm not especially social um, the rest of the, the other 360 days a year. So, uh, contributing writer from SlashFilm.com, Jack Giroux. Yes. Thank you for having me on. And it's not even just that. Like, my boss lives, like, right down the street from me, and I said to him, like, we hang out at Comic-Con more right now than we do at the other, like, year, like you said. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. But thank you for having me on. It's nice to be here. Yeah, I'm glad. If you guys uh, here. Question for the room. When you guys go to screenings here in Los Angeles, I mean, it's not uncommon to see people you know at that screening. Uh, if one of those people decide, is like so excited that you're there that they uh, choose to sit next to you or invite you to sit next to them, what is your... Uh, I mean, obviously, if, if it's me, it's like, yeah, all right, fine. Internally, different response. What would your response be? Are you asking me? Do you want Jack? Let's get Jack. Let's go, Jack. Uh, well, I mean, right off the bat, no one's usually excited to see like that. It's like, <laughs> usually not like, come, you know, sit down with me. But uh, that doesn't happen much. There is that fear walking in, and then I realize that nobody's going to have that reaction. Oh, wow. Um, I have, it, it, it depends. I, I generally like. Uh, you know, at Comic Con, at the at the parties, if I, if I see a film blogger or someone that I uh, that I recognize, I'll go up and I'll say, "Hey, great to see you," yeah. because that's who I am at Comic Con. Sure. The rest of the, if I'm walking, you know, if I'm walking through the lobby, let's say through the ArcLight lower lobby on the way to see Atomic Blonde, and I happen to walk past Amy Nicholson 24 hours ago, sure, someone I would absolutely go up and did multiple times at Comic Con say hi to. I'm like. Oh, I hope she doesn't. <laughs> I don't want to get into a thing now. I'm just here to see the movie. <laughs> like, um, 
Yeah, but then there are certain people that I've known. If it's you, Tyler, or 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 Scott or Aaron New, or like knew, someone yeah. that we know very well, it's like yeah, I'll sit next to him because I don't have I don't have to be on because I know that person. Sure, that's my issue right. is that if it's someone that I only kind of know, I feel like I gotta I, I have to like engage and you know I can't I, I can't just relax. There is that where like if I'm really tired going to a screening where it's like I'm probably not in the most talkative mood or yeah. the best mood. I hope that doesn't happen, but again, it doesn't really happen. I have. Tweeted back and forth with someone that I knew was in the same room as me, like before <laughs> yeah. we started. I think, yeah, I think I have like tweeted about like the the candy in the screening room back when there used to be screening rooms that had candy here in Los Angeles. None of them do anymore. Rodeo, yeah. or sorry, sorry, the Adikoff had candy. It's not Rodeo. It doesn't. Yeah. And uh, took out their candy when they changed the seats. So anyway. that's right, they did. They had that little bar, uh, bowl at the back that had Starbucks. Yeah. Starburst. Yeah. Put you in a good mood before the movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah. Um, now sometimes you get uh, at the, um, you know, your big studio movies. You'll sometimes get free popcorn and sure. soda. Sure. They, they offered that at Atomic Blonde last night, but I um, had you know eaten and drank like an asshole for five days in San Diego. So I was like, ah, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, when I saw Logan. At 10 a.m., here's some popcorn and soda, which is a, the first. The, of course, I had it. We all had it because it's free. Yeah. And we are, you know, kind of pathetic. Yeah. Uh, those of us in this in this game. Uh, but I remember oh. just being like the moment I like my first bite of popcorn. I'm like this does not feel right on any level. I shouldn't be doing this when it's daylight out. Yeah. It feels wrong. You know, it was bad. And I know you were there because I talked to you snatched. Earlier this year, that was not only did nice. they have free, it yeah. was at the uh, the Universal, um, not the Universal, the AMC Century City. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not only do they give you free, they give you a pass for free popcorn and soda. You walk into the snatch screening, free wine. Yeah, and not like <laughs> just one glass a person. Like you could have as many glasses as you want for the movie. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would be suspicious of that. They're like, we want people to have a good time yeah. somehow. It's not going to be yeah. the movie. No, I mean, Snatched wasn't bad. I yeah, agree. Just, it, well, maybe my, I'm saying that because I had two <laughs> glasses of wine and a bunch of popcorn. Snatched wasn't bad. I laughed a lot. <laughs> and I slept uh, like a baby afterwards. Yeah. It's not great either, but uh, yeah. What did you think of Snatched? Um, I thought the mother-daughter scenes were actually really effective. Oh, really? As an action comedy, not so much. But the action was not there. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't there. And I also really did enjoy Christopher Maloney in that. Yeah, <laughs> well, I course. thought he had some of the I best lines. My main complaint with, complaint with it is that um, you've got Amy Schumer and Goldie Hawn and... Uh, all of the secondary characters have all the laughs. Christopher Maloney, Ike Barinholtz, yeah. Wanda Sykes, um, Joan Cusack, who doesn't actually speak a word in the movie, is one of the funniest characters in the movie. Um, yeah. Anyway. Mike Barinholtz is kind of like an ace in the hole. Oh, man. Like, he's never in it. He's never in something like a movie for longer than a cumulative, cumulative like, 10 to 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But it might be the best 10 to 15 minutes oh, yeah. uh, of the film. I love him in Neighbors, too. I mean, just an example of that, like, the clown laugh he does... Never, I never get tired of it during the movie. It makes yeah. me laugh more and more. Neighbors 2 is very funny. It is, um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't like the first one as much, but Neighbors 2, uh, Sorority Rising, is very funny. The first one's very thin. Um, yeah. Yeah, actually, one of the biggest lies is Ike Barinholtz, and he when he says, hey, he puts his like thumb, my fist up, and he's like, men's rights, and Seth Rogen's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> that is terrible wardrobe in that movie, too. Yeah. Like, every scene, he's just wearing something ugly. <laughs> Well, let's. Uh, we're here to talk about Comic Con, but first we want to get to know Jack a little bit. Uh, where are you from? I am from Washington D.C. and yeah, I moved out here about three years ago. Is that all? 
three years. It might be more. I'm bad with timing now. Okay. Like sense of timing has changed. It's moving to Los Angeles. Yeah. I feel like I've been seeing you at comic cons for more than three years, but maybe not. No, I've been going to comic con oh, okay. since I was like 19 or so covering. Okay. So well, isn't that about three years. Yeah. You're very young is the joke. Yeah. Yes. It's deeply <laughs> off Twitter. <laughs> Never get those jokes ever. Uh, but yeah, I've been going to comic con for a while. I think this is my fifth or sixth. I'm not sure. It kind of all blurs at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I, I remember, cause I remember the first, I, like I knew you from the internet. Yes. And I think the first time I met you in person at Comic-Con, I don't know if you remember, mm. was it the Ghirardelli, the, I remember the, like, yeah. <laughs> the, the chocolate ice cream or whatever place. And I was like, I was like, you know how George, George Costanza does this thing where he's like, I bet I can tell you how to spell your name. You know, yeah. I did the opposite. I was like, I've only ever talked to this guy online. I bet I know how to pronounce your last name and I got it right the first time. And he did, which is very rare. But yeah, uh, yeah. but it's because of hockey. Oh, indeed. Yes. <laughs> yep. And I'm wearing the same shirt right now. The NHL one. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. NHL. Everyone likes hockey, Tyler. Everyone at the table likes hockey. Great Absolutely. game. So you grew up in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Um, what's your what's your sort of movie history? Like, well, how did you become a guy who's into movies? I just had a lot of free time as a kid. And just like, I guess a big thing would just be like summers in Michigan. I'd spend most of them there with family. And I had okay. a cousin that just had like the huge Criterion set. Oh, cool. We'd be up to like two or three or four, usually later going to Taco Bell, just watching nothing but movies. So I'd credit him a lot for getting me into movies. And again, just a lot of free time in high school, not a lot of friends. Yeah. So just always had the time to watch a lot of movies. I love that because uh, I feel like the the Criterion stereotype is like the you know it's the pretentious like college person or whatever. But the idea of like yeah, I'm 14, I'm eating like chalupas <laughs> and, and, and we're oh, yeah. gonna watch Throne oh, yeah. of Blood at one o'clock in the morning. I, I remember when I was 13, they gave me contempt as a as a Christmas gift. It took that's me like awesome. a, it took me like a year or two to watch it, but yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. You wanna? Eat some Doritos and watch House. <laughs> Somehow we didn't do that. Which, by the way, is actually a delightful film to, wa- to watch and eat snacks with. Yeah. Um, um, and then um, how did you get to writing for, for the internet? That was something I just fell into with like no ambition. When I think I was 17, mm-hmm. uh, for a site called The Film Stage, it was just a small site I read. Sure. And I just asked, like, are you guys looking for anybody to write? And they were, and they hired me out of high school, no experience whatsoever. And then it just kept leading to other jobs, leading to other places. But that's where I started in, yeah, high school. So you could say that you just stumbled your ass into it. And I did. some of us, like, worked really hard. <laughs> and you said, hey, guys. And then uh, everything's fine. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Here's no. the thing about See, it. I, I, I respect your journey, Jack. <laughs> hey, it was a lot of writing for free and working hard, but uh, I did really fall into it. And yeah, I didn't imagine when I started that I would be in the Battleship Pretension room doing a podcast. Christening a new room. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I've made it, finally. Uh, you're part of the, the dawning of a new era. Yeah. The, I feel uh, it. A world of imagination. <laughs> a world of wonder. That's how you should welcome guests into the room from now on. <laughs> welcome to North Hills, a world of wonder. Sorry about the parking. Tyler put on a cape. Look yeah. good. <laughs> um, and then, okay, so you, all right, we, we, we got your whole story then. Yeah. You grew up in D.C., you summered in Michigan. Where in Michigan? Uh, a bit all over uh, Northville. Uh, a little bit in Pinckney, Brighton. Sorry, yeah. you got to show me on the on the. Oh, mid- I'm, I'm terrible <laughs> with that. But uh, I guess I'd say Pinckney and Brighton's by Ann Arbor. So spent okay. a lot of time there. Yeah, uh, for people who don't know the whole Michigan thing, 
is uh, the the hands. Yeah, everyone does that. Everyone says where where in Michigan they <laughs> hold up their hand and point because yeah. I guess Michigan is roughly shaped like a hand. I feel like if I were from Michigan and I said, oh, I'm from Michigan, and they said, oh, where on the hands? Like, oh, right here. <laughs> and I just flip them right off uh-huh. and say, why don't you get away from me? It's none of your business where I'm from. It's a thing. It's like... Uh, They're a little friendlier in Michigan. Type. Yeah. Are they? <laughs> no. Do they, I feel like they don't have much reason to be based on uh, everything pop culture the last 60 years or so. Yeah, I guess... Uh, Catherine Bigelow's Detroit in theaters yeah. uh, in a week. <laughs> Which I'm excited to see. <laughs> Everyone I know who has seen it has said that it's a rough watch. Not that it's bad necessarily, right. but that it is not easy I, to watch. I could see it being uh, some tough sledding. Yeah. Have um, you seen it yet? No, I haven't. I think yeah. Thursday I'm going to go see it. Um, I had a question actually mm-hmm. um, about your, uh, your, your journey. Having started so young... Mm. If you were to, have you gone back and read any of the reviews that you wrote? I went through a year probably of just like a lot of self-loathing. Yeah. Mainly because of that where I would, like I'll read stuff from like six months ago or more like that. And I'll be like, sure. what was I thinking? If I go further back, it can be kind of like horrifying, but also maybe a little reassuring where I'm like, hopefully I wouldn't write that today. Or, right. But it is kind of interesting, um, especially knowing, I guess, just thinking like what I was doing at the time or how I was feeling, like how that maybe was reflected in the writing. But yeah, I cringe a lot. Now I don't look back. I try not to look back at old yeah. stuff. That's yeah. probably a good, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, think I have occasionally, though, it. like, gone back to an old review. And, yeah, mostly if it's more than five years old, especially, uh, it's horrifying. But I've occasionally read an old review and been like, wow, that was really insightful. And then I start to worry, like, oh, am I not getting any better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, did I plateau? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, see, it's, <laughs> this is great because, so when I would, because I had to look, through old reviews for my book worth, right. watch, worth watching available and now. is available now at uh, worthwatchingbook.com uh, and as I was going I thought I thought like oh yeah that's a pretty good review and then I go back yeah four or five years and I'm like maybe I should just quit everything because uh, <laughs> this is terrible not only will I not include it in the book I'm not going to write a book and then I'm just going to move away how about that <laughs> uh, it's uh, it was a very it can be very harrowing to revisit your your older reviews well speaking of harrowing mm-hmm. let's get into it shall we we all uh, ventured down to San Diego um, for various you said fifth or sixth year this I can tell you this is your eighth wow is it really is that right that sounds about right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 2010 was your first year, so counting 2010. Though I, though I did not go in 2011. Oh, okay. So this is your ninth then. Or you, no, I went the wrong way. Yeah. This is your seventh. It um, is my 13th, David. <laughs> uh, and my 12th. Uh, yes. Um, so uh, let's just, I guess, go. Um, well, do we want to say anything about our Com- your Comic-Con history? The listeners know me and Tyler's. Uh, not much history. It's usually the same old every year. I yeah. feel like it's doesn't change much fun but exhausting yeah do you okay so this is something that that we talked about a couple weeks ago and something david and i have been talking about off mic a fair amount you know we've been going pretty uh, fairly consistent well every year uh but for a while now do you find yourself ever saying like maybe i don't need to go this year <laughs> Yeah, I think that all the time. Okay. Yeah. But then it's just like usually the month or so before I finally start thinking like, I think I'm actually going to have a good time. Like, what what am I so worried about? Yeah. And then, yeah, that's usually what happens. I don't know why I dread it so much because it usually is a good time. I feel like I've had bad Comic-Cons. 
Oh yeah. yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I always think I'm especially, I mean, I was such a, uh, a stand for comic con for so many years, <laughs> but now I'm, I do the same thing every year. I'm like, all right, well, I guess, I'm verified for press this year. We got the hotel room. I'll go this year. I'm not going next year. Yeah. And then I have a great time like I did this year. I had a blast. And I'm like, oh, I'm definitely going to be back. Yeah. People would say to me, though, like, you're just going to be here 10 years from now covering Comic-Con. 10 years. It's going to go by like that. And I just think in my head, like, that's don't say that. Like, <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> that's not where I want to be in 10 years. <laughs> um, yeah. And I do think that as time has gone on, uh, like, I didn't actually do much at this Comic-Con. And admittedly, I was only there two days. But um but I didn't do very much. And for a moment I felt really bad about that. And then I thought, Mm. yeah, but I enjoyed myself and I did do some stuff and that's, I shouldn't put so much pressure on myself, you know? Yeah. Nobody, nobody at battleship pretension is holding my feet to the fire uh, about like Smith, you gotta cover hall H as I chomp my cigar. Yeah, that's true. I, uh, there was a, someone at the, uh, party, um, Thursday night that I was talking to that I was like, he was talking about how exhausting was the covering. I was like, oh, I feel like a, you know, I feel like a fraud that I'm down here as press, but I don't have to do all this big stuff. And the guy was like, no, you win. Like you, <laughs> yeah, get, you, beat you the get to have fun. Yeah. You get to come down as press and you get to have fun at comic con. And we still do cover. We've done, we'll do hours of between two yeah. weeks ago and this week, um, hours of podcasting. And I wrote three full, you know, journal entries of, uh, uh, my time at Comic Con. Yeah. And by that time, by the time this is up, I will have written a review of a movie that I saw at Comic Con. Would that be Batman and Harley Quinn? Batman and Harley Quinn. Uh, we'll get to that. We will get to that because we're going to do chronologically yeah. now. Here's uh, real quick. Here's okay. a, a thing, and I think I mentioned it before. <laughs> Anytime someone, because I've had people say like, "Oh, press," and it's like, "Hang on, Josh Long got press credentials for more than one lesson. We did not cover the show. The 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 con at all at more than one lesson it's a it's a tiny website it's certainly at the time it's gotten bigger since then but like and if he can get press it means nothing to be press at that point um <laughs> but yeah we do get in for free so i try i try to cover it because i sure. want to sure i want to earn it and because a, a part of me is always dreading that day when they say like you know when i apply for LA Film Fest or something here like Sundance or, or you know Sundance Next Fest is here like it's like include your coverage from last year like mm, it, sure, it's yeah, it, sure. in the thing and I'm, so I'm dreading the day that Comic-Con does that and so that's why every year I want to have something that says look that's true I was there I did some work yeah I um, talked about your precious convention do you write that you should <laughs> see I <laughs> they need like, the coverage I can't even like joke like that because I like Oh, because they might hear this. No, because, no. I mean, because I do love Comic Con so much. No, I do as especially well, especially in in the afterglow of it. Sure, uh, which is where we are now. Um, but like, uh, okay, so it's uh, we can't take this long to talk right. about because we'll be here all night. <laughs> um, Wednesday night was preview night, uh, so there are no panels to cover. I um, it, this was maybe the first time ever this was Wednesday night was the only time I hit the exhibit hall floor. I got everything I wanted and I was like, I'm not going back because <laughs> it's on the only Wednesday night's the only time it's even somewhat manageable. Um, and even then I waited forever, uh, for the entertainment earth twin peaks, uh, uh, stuff that I got. I got a, I got an agent Cooper bobblehead. I got a little, uh, sign that says, welcome to twin peaks population 51,201. Uh, and I got a little, uh, log lady figurine with a log nice 
Yes. Yeah, that's what I got. All right. And I walked around a little bit. Uh, you didn't come in, Tyler, until late, so you missed preview night. Yes, yes. I, I always do. Yeah. Jack, did you hit the floor preview night? Uh, I didn't hit the floor. I went to the Blade Runner uh, 2049 experience. Cool. Which was a great way to start off the con. Uh, did either of you go to that? No. No, I wish... If I had been there the full time instead of leaving late Saturday, uh, late Friday night, pardon me, um, I think I would have... Uh, hung out a bit more outside of the convention like I really didn't at all this time and I usually enjoy the stuff that's apparently there's like a whole tick experience that I could have partaken of yeah partaken of partaken (laughs) sounds right partook Um, and uh, yeah and I would have loved to do that you could have ticked that off your list so how was the Blade Runner experience? Was it good? It was great, actually. Like right when I was in line, you could see when like people are going in and out, you could see smoke coming out of the door. So it's already starting to feel like Blade Runner before you get in. And then I'll just give you the whole experience. You walk in, you see like a bunch of concept art from the movie and like how it compares to the final shots, which is very cool. And then you do the VR experience, hmm. which is like you're in a spinner and you're chasing a replicant and you're in a chair that's shaking. It's a lot of fun. And then a big door opens and a spinner's right there and rain's falling smoke people were dressed up as characters from it and seeing a real spinner in real life that was yeah. pretty cool and then they recreated this whole bar from the movie oh cool and they had like Deckard's gun there all these props and costumes whiskey they did have a lot of Johnny Walker like little like classes to take with you yeah they had a yeah, lot of- I, got, I didn't do the experience but I did get some of those oh, from someone good, who good. didn't want those <laughs> you didn't go you didn't deserve it but, <laughs> but yeah they did have a lot of Johnny Walker there um yeah, and then uh, Wednesday night I also met up with our friend Ryan from Criterion Cast. Right. Uh, we had dinner, walked around, uh, had drinks, briefly ran into our friend uh, Angie, um, Angie Han, formerly of Slash Film. Who I believe I have to this day. No, you met I have her. met her. Yeah, at our at our meetup last year. Last year. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, formerly of Slash Film, now at Mashable dot com. Right. Um, Trading up. That's what I say. He's got a slash film guy right oh, here. Oh, shit. I forgot to look to my left. <laughs> That's all right. Um, She's great. Uh, okay. So that we've covered preview night. It was fun. Uh, let's get into Thursday. Um, how do you want to do this? Well, one by one or, or what? Uh, yeah, I think probably one by one, I think is like good. full. I'm saying full day one by one or like panel by panel or what? I feel like full day just because right. I can't, I've, I lost track of what time everything was. Okay. I was, was, was going to say, I was just playing it to you like, what did I do Thursday? Like, yeah. Okay. Then I'll, I'll, I'll start while you guys think of it. I tried to get tickets for the death note screening that night. Mm. Didn't work out. Um, waited forever. The, the way they do the Horton grand, the Horton grand is an, uh, is a, it's an official Comic-Con panel room, but it's not in the convention center. And so they have this incredibly convoluted way to get tickets that didn't work where you're in the same line as the people who are trying to get limited signings. So it's like, that's a huge, crazy line stood in the sun. I was like, uh, at this point, I think I was still in the, like, I'm not coming back next year. <laughs> the point of, like, because I was like, why am I standing here? Um, this isn't moving. And anyway, um, didn't get that, but went into, um, I should have gone to Hall H in retrospect because you know, apparently you could just walk into the Kingsman thing and apparently I could have made it from the Kingsman thing to Ballroom 20 for the Battlestar Galactica reunion because mm-hmm. um, I know people who did that uh, but I really wanted to see the Battlestar Galactica cast reunion uh, and create a reunion uh, so I went straight to Ballroom 20 and sat there I sat through a panel uh, a couple things actually I saw um, 
uh, a very bad pilot, but but it's a pilot that I want to talk about because it's a it's a sort of phenomenon uh, or a new. Uh, it's something we're seeing more in TV, which is basically this is a very expensive international seven episode first season of a show that was essentially created on like made on spec. Like they don't have a network. They hmm. made the th- the whole thing. It's called Medina. Uh, oh, okay, everyone's yeah. going to call it Medina, but <laughs> sure. they said oh, it's shot in Qatar. And I guess the, uh, whatever the language is there, it's pronounced Medina. That's what they said it over and over again at the panel. Um, Medellin. Got it. Uh, yeah. Medellin. <laughs> Uh, and it's a very expensive and polished looking, definitely the cinematography and like the, the score was good. Like, uh, the effects were, were pretty good. Um, uh, that, that stuff was all there. It's just as a story, it's, it, there's just no, it, 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 it introduces an ensemble cast. Basically the premise is that, um, this Qatari multi, multi, multi billionaire, um, has, um, uh, funded a sort of long shot scientific thing that's going to change the atmosphere to like remove greenhouse gases essentially to halt global warming it's like a uh, a last minute thing and of uh, of course it it goes wrong and something weird happens to the atmosphere and it, uh you realize that it's either it is either brought to earth or perhaps awakened some sort of malevolent force Ooh. um that sounds neat uh yeah i guess um but they set up a bunch of stuff um, it's a multinational cast. The, the actors you would recognize are Eric Roberts and Natasha Henstridge, um, who play a wealthy American cu- uh, couple who mm-hmm. live in um, in Qatar, um, but uh, are having marital problems. Uh, and so you've got you've got the the company where that that, that funded the thing. Uh, where things are suddenly, you know, this rocket has exploded, everything's gone wrong, and there's, you know, where we sabotaged, whatever, you've got that. But then you've also got this group of people um, who are trapped in the desert under the, uh, what would you call it, the debris from this explosion. Mm-hmm. And that's Eric Roberts and a bunch of other people who have their own shit going on. Of course, there's a there's a lot of, like, lost comparisons because there's very much like, oh, that guy's the Sawyer. Like, he's the sort um. of generally like sort of vaguely badass guy who I'm sure has a heart of gold. Um, <laughs> a lot of wisecracks. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was just, it, 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 it was just, it seemed like, uh, I guess it seemed like something you see, I guess that's what I'd want to talk about is the idea that like, it's so cool. It's almost like independent television. You know what I mean? Which is, is becoming a thing so, so much that like Sundance is adding, I don't know if you read about this, uh, Sundance is adding a section. Sundance has had TV premieres in the in the past but they've for i think for next year's festival the year after they're essentially adding an independent tv like a full section mm-hmm. to, the, to the festival um what are some examples of because this is actually the first i've i've heard of this as a phenomenon is is the word you used um are there any are there shows that i would be familiar with that started this way I, I know things that i can't talk about because of my job job oh. um <laughs> the, that's uh, where we're, we're there are, are companies that are just like making shows and, and now, now you see it in like, um, uh, syndicated or like low budget reality type sure, stuff sure. that, you know, that'll just be a production company and then we'll just shop it around to see, yeah. uh, who wants it. But, uh, I'm not sure how often, um, this sort of thing has happened yet, but it is happening. Um, okay. but 
with the thing as expensive as Medi Knight, you're seeing the same thing you see in expensive, bland movies where it's like, we're putting a lot of money into this. Mm-hmm. Don't take any risks. And yeah. so um, it might be a cool concept, but uh, it was a Boring pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, the next panel after that uh, turned out to be a blast. Uh, it was called Sci-Fi's The Great Debates. And Tyler, you would have been... Your your hackles would have been up. Is that a saying? Uh, sure. When you walk in to the room, they hand you a thing that has either a thumbs up or thumbs down, a little sign, very much like the uh, Rotten Tomatoes panel that you uh, hate and yet are drawn to like a moth to the flame. Um, I didn't go this year. <laughs> you stayed away. Oh, no, you're wrong. Um, in the past, when I've gone, I last about ten minutes, and then I'm like, I'm going. Why? What's else. up with that one? Eh, I just don't like the tone of it. Oh. I just find uh, somehow everyone. Even people who I am aware of and I like uh, in their writing and, and that sort of thing, there's just the general tone of it because it's like critics versus audiences and all that. Yeah. And just the way anyone is talking about anything, yeah. I find well, let me, frustrating. Let me tell you what Sci-Fi did right with theirs. Okay. The panel and the moderator, professional entertainers. And so it ended up being... Who cares what the actual debate is? Right. Everyone's having fun. Yes. So it was John Barrowman, uh, who, of course, um, is best known as Captain Jack on Torchwood. Uh, Charlie Jane Anders, whom I don't really know who that is, but she was great. Orlando Jones. Okay. Who is a, I don't know if you've ever seen him like perform or do anything in person. He's a terrifically energetic and funny presence. Mm. Um, Aisha Tyler. Okay. And then Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Ah. Who is a, he's a character. And then the moderator was John Hodgman. You have something to yeah, add about Orlando Jones? Related to Comic-Con, he got married during Comic-Con. Hey. No, yeah. He was marrying people. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah. I saw him very, right in front of that like space and yeah. being very friendly with everyone. I thought about mentioning the replacements to him, but I let it be. Oh, the movie The Replacements. I'm a big Not fan the, of that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Uh, yeah. He was actually there marrying people. Really? Yeah. So he's like ordained? Is yeah. that the word for it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's what he was doing there. Um, wow. <laughs> but uh, uh, the, the panel was just a lot of fun. It was just things like, you know, some some pretty basic stuff like Star Wars, Star Wars versus Star Trek. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if I should be surprised, but the panel and the audience were both strongly pro-Trek. Hmm. Um, there, there was not a lot of dissent there. <laughs> it was hmm. Everyone was pretty much like, yeah, we're, we're Trek. Well, I wonder um, if there's... I feel like... While Comic-Con has become more mainstream, there still is a strong nerd sensibility, and (laughs) Star Trek, even with the latest films, still has more nerd cred than Star Wars. I, um, you have thoughts? No, he's right. It's like, I don't see a whole lot of little kids walking around with, like, Star Trek shirts. Yeah. Usually Star Wars. I honestly think, and this might be me, I might be projecting, but there's also, not just at this panel, I would say at a fair number of panels that I, uh, went to this year, there was, um a lot of anti-Trump jabs. Mm. And I feel like in an anti-Trump crowd, the sort of progressive, inclusive utopia of Star Trek is like people are primed for that. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think that might be something that, uh, people were like, yeah, let's, let's celebrate this thing because this is more what we want, or this is at least a tone of what, what's being said. Um, but other, uh, that said, we all know who the Klingons represent. Moving on. <laughs> um, uh, the other things, uh, John Hodgman, had, he, John Hodgman, I guess, wrote all the questions, and he um, had a thing for the five, five panelists. Each one had to pick one. Um, oh, was it, uh, let's see, Affleck? Uh, let me go back. Affleck, Bale, um, Clooney, 
Kilmer, Keaton. Each one had to pick one and say who the best Batman was. Of course, it was a trick question because at the end, the answer card said Adam West is the best Batman. Batman. Um, And Kevin Conroy not on there. Most people would vote uh, Kevin Conroy. Actually, Charlie Jane Anders did go off book and and say Kevin Conroy. Um, Yeah, I feel like there's more fun stuff that happened that I could talk about. One of them was like, how would you remake Firefly if you had to reboot Firefly? And most people were like, I wouldn't. But... uh, John Barrowman, who I don't know if you guys are familiar with Torchwood or familiar with mm-hmm. John Barrowman, both John Barrowman and Captain Jack are um, you know, very outwardly bisexual and very outwardly just sexual in general. That's kind of their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so John Barrowman said he would write Captain Jack into <laughs> Firefly so that he and Captain Mal could get it on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really fun time. I've gone on too long about it because it was all leading up to I was there for the Battlestar Galactica reunion. That's what I was there to, to sit through. That's what I wanted to see. Um, and despite uh, the absence of some of the heavy hitters, there was no um, Katie Sackhoff and there was no James Callis. Um, there was also no uh, Jamie Bam, but nobody missed him. Missed him. <laughs> but uh, Edward James almost was not there in person, but he recorded a, mm-hmm. a thing. Uh, and then you had Mary McDonald and Trisha Helfer and Grace Park and Michael Trucco and Aaron Douglas and uh, I'm missing uh, oh Tamara Benekit. Um and it was just a and of course you had David Icke and Ronald Moore um, and it was a great time a great sort of reminiscence we got a, they they laughed uh, um, I found that on panels Aaron Douglas is to the Battlestar Galactica family what Aaron Abrams was to the Hannibal family which is he's like the like like serious serious like third level character actor on the show mm-hmm. but comedically he's the heart of sure. the panel when they all get together and so Aaron Douglas who played Chief Tyrell uh, on Battlestar Galactica uh, is hilarious uh, and it was a, it was a really really fun time we learned some good tidbits like apparently Ronald Moore now how far are you in Battlestar Galactica still just the miniseries or did Pretty you much. I guess I watched what is it 33 minutes just 33 yeah 33 yeah, I that, watched that, that that's more than me Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so I guess when they when they did the miniseries, Ronald Moore wrote for each of the main characters two to three pages of backstory to hand to the actor. But Trisha Helfer, who had never who had been like in like played like a dead body on a CSI New York one, this was like her first role, and she's playing six, you know, yeah. um, the the Cylon, and she gets a piece of paper that just has the line, "The machine is woman." That's the only thing she was given. Uh, and, of course, she did a, a great job. We also learned, speaking of Trisha Helfer, that by the end of the second season, she was wearing a wig because her hair was falling out from dying at Platinum Blonde so often. Wow. Um, so they had so they switched to a wig uh, 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 on the show. And then um, at the end, uh, Edward James almost came back on the screen to give a very heartfelt uh, tribute to... Um, Richard Hatch, who was on the original Battlestar Galactica and eventually was on the the remake and who passed away just a, a month or two ago, I think. Um, that was very, very touching. I, I left with uh, with a little bit of uh, tears in my eyes. My You know, I was, I was welling up. Um, but then I talked to our friend Kate Kolzik from the Televerse later, and she's like, oh, that was so lame. <laughs> that, she, <laughs> I'm making her sound like meaner than she was. But at the, like I saw her at our meetup that night, and I was like, oh, you were at the Battlestar Galactica reunion tonight? She was like, yeah. Psh. <laughs> so jaded. Kate doesn't like much, yeah, as guess. far as I can tell. She seems to like us, so I, I guess she I'll likes us, that. and I guess she likes the violin or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, and then the only other panel I'll mention before I toss it over to you guys uh, is the the Warner Archive panel for the uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm Blu-ray restoration. Mm. Speaking of Kevin Conroy, he was there. Uh, screenwriter Alan Burnett was there, and director Bruce Tim was there, along with um, uh, George Menu and our friend Matt uh, and uh, Dan from Warner Archive. Right. So they're always a fun panel, especially like you got these these guys, you got these stories about the 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 movie and and how it was uh, supposed to be a direct to video movie initially, and then it was going to be theatrical, and then it was going to be direct to video, and they kind of they did kind of didn't know what they were making, um, and they'd storyboarded it. They because they thought it was direct to video first, they had storyboarded everything in one three three, and had to like not go back to the drawing board, but had to change every shot to be one eight five once they realized they were wow. making a theatrical uh theatrical film um yeah it was a it was a really fun fun panel um and they showed the first uh eight minutes uh, it looks um the image looks cleaner and it looks uh brilliantly colored and and that said to us later that it'll look even better on our home hd mm. tvs than the the projector, the convention oh, center. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm very excited. It's as of this recording, it's out tonight or not today. Mm. Um, it's about time you're hearing this. It's already available. All right. That's my Thursday. It took me way too long. Jack, what did you do on Thursday? Right, I just remembered my Thursday. Okay, good. Um, That's what I was to <laughs> Thank you. Um, but it, there wasn't a whole lot to do Thursday. Hall H was pretty late. The only thing I remember covering there was the uh, 20th Century Fox, but all they brought was Kingsman the Golden Circle, which is what did you guys think of the first one? Uh, I was surprised how much I liked it because I okay. went into it thinking I wasn't going to like it, which is why I'm convinced I won't like the second one because lightning's not going to strike twice. <laughs> I thought it was fine. Okay, then you probably would not have liked what they had shown. It was definitely more Kingsman. Um, they showed a lot from that movie, like I'd say two or three long clips, like almost like a six, seven minute action scene wow. set mostly to Prince's Let's Go Crazy. Okay. Yeah. It's a good song. It's not not exactly a deep cut. That's the thing. Like, I had a friend at Comic-Con who's a diehard Prince fan, and when I told him that, he was kind of concerned. And it's fun in the scene, but you do also think, like, a lot of other songs probably could have gone here and worked just as well, or this could have been score. But it was a fun action scene. I mean, it was just definitely Matthew Vaughn. And if you don't like Matthew Vaughn, then... I feel like he has a lot of detractors. Maybe not a lot, but he he has very vocal ones. Yeah? I'm not... A big Layer Cake fan. Hmm. I was not a big fan of First Class. What, what, what am I missing? Stardust. I like that movie oh, a lot. I saw Stardust. That's I really bet fun. I would like that one. I do like Layer Cake. I think First Class is, I don't know, functional uh, directorially. And then Kingsman, I thought, was a very different type of uh, filmmaking that I uh, don't usually care for. I don't like that level of energy for yeah. the most part. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of energy. Yeah. What about Kick-Ass? What do you think of that? You oh, know, there are things that. I like about Kick-Ass, but I, I, that, I feel like that might have more to do with the script and the material and the actors. Mm-hmm. But I guess he, I guess he, he does bring a flair to it that is not quite as over the top as Kingsman. So, um, and I'm, I guess I'm kind of in the uh, minority when talking with uh, fellow critics and stuff who don't seem to like Kick-Ass, but I actually think it's pretty good. No, I really like it. But um, for Kingsman, that was a a cool action scene, and then you got to see what Julianne Moore looked like in the Mm -hmm. movie, and she has even described the characters like um, Martha Stewart, but a, you know, diabolical villain. So that was fun. She has, like, this whole recreation of, like, a 50s-styled town, 
and like that's their hideaway on like the like a mountain somewhere. <laughs> like it was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah and there was cool. a car underwater that was kind of neat too. Like that's those fun where like that's what I like about Matthew. Like Vaughn it operates that, underwater because there are plenty of cars underwater. It operated underwater. Got it. Yeah, um, but I, I like those things where he he does not make movies that take themselves seriously. Yeah, in the least bit. Yeah, for the most part. I guess that's the thing is along those lines, there are directors that also uh, that, that also don't take themselves too seriously. Um, that are just much better and more interesting, like an Edgar Wright, for example. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough balance of not taking it too seriously, but then taking the stick seriously and the yeah. characters. Um, I did just see Logan Lucky, which I think strikes that balance perfectly, actually. I think I'm seeing it next week or a week after. I don't it's remember. It's great. Yeah. Oh, that's, good, that's good to know. Um, but that was the only footage I saw in Hollywood that day. Like, I thought Fox would have brought, like, The Predator and a bunch of other things, but they just had Kingsman. Yeah, I guess, yeah, The Predator, that would have been good. I guess a lot of people, I think, will probably, like, you know, they should have something from Dead- Deadpool 2, right? But I but I wonder if the issue to Fox is, like, yeah, Deadpool 2, 2 doesn't need any help. No. Like, Deadpool 2 is going to be a hit. We want to push Kingsman. We want to make people aware of Kingsman. It's interesting. A lot of those movies, I think, like, none of these really need help. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I I, I can't uh, I can't tell what the public like temperature is on Kingsman. Like I know the first one did well, but I don't know if like people are clamoring for a sequel. I feel like that's a movie people love, especially yeah. outside of critics. But oh, I was gonna say one other thing. I did not know this, but Matthew Vaughn has his own whiskey, which is a part of the movie. And Holly Berry drank like a full glass of it. But did they were doing really? tasting. Or is that staged? I heard about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, unless they put something else in the bottle, but. That's it was a big glass of whiskey. All right. And that's I mean, I, if it was staged, it was staged great. OK. I mean, I, you know, but I, 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 I she did it. it I'm pretty sure. like that yeah. seemed, I saw the picture. It seemed like a lot of whiskey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I could not do that. Yeah. Um, anything else on, on Thursday? Uh, no, I, I remember Thursday. I just did an inter- like a roundtable interview for okay. Blade Runner 2049. And that was cool learning more about the movie, even though they couldn't really say anything about that movie there. Right. Um, but now the Thursday was a really light day. Saturday is like, that's the day where it's okay. all, it's all there. All madness. All right. Well, let's, uh, what, what did you do on Thursday? All right. So here we go. Uh, first it took me like 45 fucking minutes <laughs> to get my lanyard. Uh, because it was horribly organized. Yeah, it's, it was actually the the signing the, or the the line I was in for the Horton Grand tickets got stopped because the lanyard line was too long, and we had to wait for it to die down for them to let us through. Like you know, they send us these badges, which I think is meant to be more convenient. And they're like, okay, but you got to go over here. So I like went to the press line. And they said, oh, you actually go have to go down to E one. Uh, and get in that line for like bags and lanyards. Well, that's the line that everybody's in. And I don't mean to say like, I don't mean to say like, oh, press, well, we're above people. It's not that. It's that it was disorganized for everyone, yeah. not it, not just this. And it, it was astonishing. And I don't know who made the decision to to divert the line like up and through these doors and all that, but it just, I don't know. I feel like if it's not, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Uh, yeah. Because, well, Last year and every year, otherwise, every year before that worked fine. I don't know what the issue was, but I wound up missing my superhero music panel, which I always like to go to. You you know what I did? What's that? I 
brought a lanyard because of course I have a billion of them and I never, and I was like, when it dies down, I never went and got a bag or lanyard <laughs> this well, year. Because I'll, the other thing is I have 10 years of Comic-Con bags yeah. that I like, I only need so many like, like, uh, like last minute clothes hampers <laughs> to take to the laundromat or whatever. Like I don't need a big giant bag. Anymore. You didn't want your big bang theory Lego bag. <laughs> yeah. 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 I really wanted the Riverdale bag and I didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, is, that is the one fun thing is people trade bags. Do they? Uh, yeah. I've been in line before and like people have asked me for a bag or I've just, like someone's looking for a bag and uh, you try to help them like, oh, I saw Riverdale over there. Like <laughs> I could have used you. It would have yeah. got me Riverdale. Boy. Yeah. I did not know that if I had known that you can bring your own lanyard, like I thought you had to use like official Comic-Con lanyards. You got the badge. That's all. I know. But anyway, so. Uh, uh, speaking of Riverdale real quick. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Saw a lot of. Uh, obviously a lot of people love Riverdale and that's great. Um, I saw a lot of young women wearing Jughead caps. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah. I wonder why specifically Jughead, but uh, I do I, think it was very cool. If it's related to the show, I think he's a really popular character okay. with people watching Riverdale. All right. Okay. Which is a very so. fun show, by the way. Sorry to interrupt, but yes, it's very entertaining. Yeah, yeah. you didn't interrupt. need to interrupt that. Yeah, that's we fine. interrupt each other constantly <laughs> on the show. You can always interrupt us. Uh, okay, so, uh, so once I did that and was furious, obviously, um, I, uh, the first panel I went to was the, the uh, Psychology of Batman Villains panel, but I actually went a little bit early uh, and caught the end of, I don't know the name of it, but it's, it was fascinating. I love panels like like this where, as far as I could tell, everybody on the panel was a teacher, and it was talking about when you have student, students that are nerdy, because while a lot of nerdy stuff is more mainstream now, um, the way that these people engage with it might not be more might it might be like more officially nerdy and they could be singled out for bullying and stuff like that but also in some cases it's like having to work with the parents to a get them to understand what this is because there are plenty of parents who say for example uh no you're 15 you're not buying any toys toys are for children Hmm. you're 15 and so uh so like a teacher, like it's not about like, how do we undercut these parents? It's how do we work with them, uh, to make this not merely hobby, but in some cases, this passion, something that is positive for this person, uh, for this student, you know, where they finally feel like they belong and help them to plug into a larger community. It was really fascinating. I, I really liked it. Um, but then the, the Batman villain psychology panel started and, uh, <sighs> It was great, huh? <laughs> that good. The thing is, in the description, it says, like, we're going to break down, you know, Joker and Two-Face and Riddler and all these people. Joker took forever, and literally the next, they, they uh, a frame, like a, a photo of Riddler popped up just as the monitor is like, well, we got to wrap things up. Uh, but, um, but what is interesting is the guys who, I've seen these guys at other panels, and they are forensic psychologists, and so they are talking about, is the Joker, specifically in The Dark Knight, is he crazy? So they threw up, like, the legal definition of insanity, mm. um, and it was really interesting, and one thing that these I'm guys... someone is finally talking about the Joker. Thank God, right? <laughs> it's about time. Now, if only someone could zero in on his, uh, his buddy, Harley Quinn, 
Oh yeah. You know, kind of the, un- this, <laughs> yeah, that's an untapped yeah, source there. Just yeah. flying Turn under the radar. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> we're being sarcastic. So, um, the, uh, but so what these guys do is I've, I've heard them on other panels and they have their own website and they have, uh, books and all that. they, they explore the way media and when I, I don't mean the media, I mean every media, whether it be uh, video games or TV or literature, whatever it is, the way it explores uh, or depicts mental illness. And obviously it's usually pretty simplistic. Um, but, uh, and so they want to, in their discussion, they're hoping to try to make people more aware of certain types of mental illness. And so it was really interesting. I talked to them, uh, after the panel and, uh, and I really respect what they do. So, so I went to that one and, uh, really enjoyed myself. What did they say about the Riddler? Nothing, nothing really. So you're disappointed. They They said, we got to wrap up. Yeah. Riddler popped up on the the important ones. (laughs) Yeah. We got the one. I didn't get to two face or anything like that. It was just Joker the whole time. Um, but, uh, but I did talk to them afterwards and I was like, ah, I'm bummed. You couldn't get to the Riddler. And he's like, oh, we really wanted to. Like that was, you know, we knew that, like we knew that Joker is what people wanted to see, but we really want to talk about the Riddler. I'm like, yeah, you're fucking, but you're right. You did. Is it necessarily what people at, like people who go to that panel are going to like, they're, they're going to be like hardcore, right? They might want to see, that's know, my view. Professor Pig or some like Ooh, weird like yeah. scam, like uh, obscure Batman villains. You know, it's interesting you say that because I was just thinking about some of the people they get to moderate a lot of these panels. It's usually a lot of jokes and laughs trying to have a good time. But I always feel like if you just got straight to the point with some of these questions, like they're there for yeah. those insights. Like they yeah. want to get hardcore nerdy and it's just like, why don't just go there and ver- versus just straight entertainment? Yes, the, motor- uh, the moderator sucked. Um, she was, she chimed in with jokes that weren't funny and I'm not sure exactly why she was there interrupting with jokes. That's very common at Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I also think there's a difference between, um, you know, we call them all panels, but sometimes in hall H or Baldwin 20 and Indigo ballroom, they're more like little shows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I, I, you know, it's, it's good to have maybe a comedian there, but in in a, in a smaller room, it's people are there for the discussion. And there are people who I think are really good at that Mm -hmm. too. And you know, being funny and charismatic in front of that crowd. But sometimes you do think like, just ask the question. Yeah. Um, okay. So then I walked the floor and bought several Riddlers and I will say that, uh, this Funko Pop uh, company is going insane. Like eventually, given enough time, and all three of us will have a Funko Pop figure. Uh, it's ridiculous, but I will. I did. Uh, I have a story to tell here. It's a short story in which uh, I was uh, standing at uh, uh, a booth that had you know comic books, and I was just kind of sorting through the uh, the X Men comics, and there was a guy uh, standing next to me, and. He uh, he wanted to look at the comics on the other side of me. He didn't walk around me to get there. Instead, he reached across and bashed me in the teeth with the wooden umbrella handle sticking out of his bag. And it was very, and, it, and I mean like not mouth, teeth. Like I was talking to the guy. So my teeth were exposed and then kink and just, and, and I, I wish I could say this is not the case, but I, I said, motherfucker. And it was just like, and there are kids around and all that. And, and he's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, that wasn't at you, but you know, oh, and, and like, Usually in a situation like that, I'd be like, I'd be like, oh no, no, it's fine. 
but I was still really <laughs> rattled. Yeah. No, it's fine. What? It, oh, fuck. And, yeah. uh, and then I just like walked away. I was so, so frazzled and <laughs> it was very, it's, it's really rare when you think about it. It's really rare to have uh, rare to have something like touch your teeth, uh, much less a wooden umbrella handle. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, but I got some Riddlers, which is nice. Um, <laughs> so it worked out. It, it yeah. all worked out. Yeah. You know? um, so then I went to Lose a few uh, teeth, gain a few Riddlers. <laughs> hey, you know what? That's a pretty good trick. Um, I went to the Castlevania panel cool. uh, because I watched I, I recently watched it. Uh, uh, and in fact, this week's episode of More Than One Lesson is about Castlevania. So I'm guessing you enjoyed it. I did. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, some, they made some very interesting choices with it. Um, and did you watch it yet? No, not yet. Maybe. It's one of the choices they made is that the first season is four episodes, each one 22 minutes, and it is over before you know it. Uh-huh. Um, no bloat, I bet. What was that? I bet there's no bloat in that show. Well, according to some, it's nothing but bloat really? because huh. they say like, "Oh, nothing happens." But it's like nothing to me. It's just it's like nothing but plot and character development. But I think in in people's minds, like the primary villain is Dracula, who's only really in the first episode, and it sets up all of this stuff around it. And uh, and so I could see people saying that it would just that it just wasn't very necessary, mm-hmm. and they should have just gotten into it. And it's, I think they did. But I like that they're taking their time with it. Um, so I watched uh, this panel with the uh, showrunner and uh, one of the directors, and it was really interesting the stuff that they that they mentioned because they talked about how this was originally conceived as a straight to video uh, animated show ten years ago, um, and then once. Once the idea of straight to video, because they were thinking in terms of like special features on a DVD, and while that still does exist, uh, it quickly became a thing that okay, I guess we'll have to do this a different way. And so, um, so it, I, I liked what they had to say, and it sounds like uh, season two is going to be eight episodes, and they're trying to. And I realize that people say this a lot, but I feel like with this show, it actually does apply that they are treating each episode as essentially a chapter in a book, mm. which. Given the first season, I absolutely believe so. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed that, and then I went to our meetup, and we yep. talked to a lot of people, and we it was were a lot all of there. Fun. Yeah. Then here's what happened. Well, then what happened? Uh, I I was at the meetup, but then I got to be Jack's date to party. It was a lovely evening. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a fun time. And speaking of Funko Pops, it was at the Fandango party, and they gave everyone gift bags. And mine got stolen. When I got, I think, <laughs> mine, I, mean, I don't know, but stolen. But I think someone walked off with it. Yeah. And when I went back, there were none left. Mine so, got stolen too. Yeah, yeah. I had a Rocket Raccoon Funko Pop and a Minions T-shirt. But whoever stole my bag, jokes on them because I had already <laughs> taken out the Fandango like code for the twenty twenty dollars free movies. <laughs> oh, hey. I wish that, I was smart enough to do that. <laughs> that I have in my pocket right now. Uh, so not for long. <laughs> um, uh, and I don't uh, as much as I like the. Um, Rotten Tomatoes stress ball. I weirdly have more stress balls than I need for the rest of my life. <laughs> you just have a closet full of them. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like it's like a like, especially when you work like in like a corporate field, especially where you have like vendors that you work with and you're their client. Like people send gifts all the time, and so many. I, I guess a lot of uh, merchandising for like intercorporate gifts is uh, like I have keychain. I have more keychains than I'll ever need. Coffee mugs, obviously. I have like just the my shelf behind me at my in my cubicle is just a row of coffee mugs from different vendors. And then yeah, stress balls. I get a lot of those. Hmm. I also have more than one uh, travel coffee mug, but uh, those hmm. get use. 
That's a very boring podcast, by the way. More than one travel coffee mug. Um, so, okay. Uh, so here's what happened. I had a little adventure after after the meetup. After the and meetup. thank you, everyone who came out. Indeed, absolutely. Right? Um, it was nice to see people, and uh, there was uh, uh, some listeners there, uh, yeah. one of whom I had not met before, but the others I'd, I'd seen elsewhere. Um, and it was nice finally meeting you. There were at least a couple that I hadn't met, I feel like. There was one who's not actually a listener. He's oh, a he friend of a listener. A listener? Yeah, right. yeah. Or rather, the listener came with him. Uh, I wouldn't need to It's very, that. very complex. Anyway, um, so yeah, I... But the, yeah, thank you for coming. Uh, yeah. Warner, Brothers, Warner Archive guys were there to give out some free yeah. DVDs. Yeah. I grabbed one. I grabbed a Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter, featuring Herman's Hermits. And I grabbed uh, Rage, starring George C. Scott. Can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyway, so I hopped the shuttle uh, to head back to my hotel. And I just sat back and I put some earbuds in and I just kind of rested my eyes. (laughs) Bad idea. Always a bad idea. (laughs) uh, I wake up and the bus is empty and it is just sitting at this hotel at, at a hotel. I don't know which one it is. And, uh, the bus driver's standing outside smoking a cigarette. And then I kind of poke my head up and he looks and like throws a cigarette down. And he's like, Hey, did you fall asleep? And I was like, I guess so. <laughs> and he said, where are you? I said, days in. And he's like, Oh boy. Yeah. We passed that a while ago. And so he's like, well, I can't drive you there because of course it's, it's this big loop. And so he'd have right. to go way out of his way. He's like, I can't drive you there, but I can take you to where we'll be parking the bus. And there's like a 10 minute walk. And I was like, yeah, all right. So I did that. And, uh, and I was like, well, I'm not going to, cause I was sitting towards the back. So I'm like, I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to sit back there and have him drive me. So I sat in the front and then the bus driver and I, uh, had a, a very nice conversation, which continued after the bus was stopped for about 20 minutes. Uh, wow. we talked about politics and stuff. And, uh, he was asking me like what Comic-Con is. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's really interesting. His name's John Sullivan. I gave him a card. Don't you worry. And, uh, <laughs> So, John, so if you're listening, it was nice uh, nice talking to you. A future yeah. guest, perhaps? Yeah. Maybe. So. Uh, he does have, uh, I'll tell you what, he's got some stories. Uh, because <laughs> he drives these types of shuttles, like, all over the, he works for this company, and so, like, wherever there's a convention, it's like, yeah. he goes to Vegas and just drives these shuttles around, and he has some stories of uh, some uh, shady dealings happening on these buses. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was... Uh I was concerned because you had texted me that you were heading back to the hotel while I was still downtown. Right. And then when I got back, you weren't there yet. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> uh, my first thought was, I wonder if he and a listener are at a Denny's <laughs> because I know that's happened before. Right. It has happened before, although yeah. there's not, not a lot of Denny's uh, around where we are. Now, if I was staying in Chula Vista where I have in the past, there's Denny's right across the street. Don't there you worry. Um, but yeah, not this time. All right. Should we move on to Friday then? Sure. All right. So, uh, Friday, uh, I started off, uh, again, getting turned away, getting Horton Grand tickets. But luckily when you do get a ticket to Horton Grand, it's a, it's for two people, mm-hmm. uh, because they know, you know, you're going off site or whatever. Um, you're, they're assuming that you're with someone and our friend Ryan from Criterion cast got uh, a ticket to the one thirty panel, um, called female voices of film Twitter, um, featuring, um, friend of the show, Amy Nicholson and, uh, the previously mentioned, uh, Angie Han and, uh, other people like Jen Yamato and Rachel Hine. Um, all good people. And Alicia Malone, of whom I'm a big fan. Um, and, uh, it was, it, it was fun. It was an hour, uh, like of 
you know, women who write about film and tweet about film on the internet, they talked less about films in particular than they did. Uh, now what I was af- afraid of, not that I didn't, not that this wouldn't be important, but I thought it was going to, I was afraid it would be an upsetting panel because I know that there is, you know, I think I wrote this in my recap. People are mean on the internet all the time, mm-hmm. but if you happen to be female or queer or a person of color, like that, there's so much more fuel and people, you know, you have an extra level of like, not only people are mean to you because they're calling you stupid, but they're also calling you a stupid C word or, you know, or like, or death threats or, or yeah, rape yeah. threats. Yeah, you know? And so I was, I've heard so many horror stories about that. And I was like, is this going to be an upsetting, like a harrowing hmm. panel? But really they just talked about the uh, efficacy of the uh, block and mute functions on Twitter and then moved on to uh, basically a lot of positivity, which was about like, how do you um, encourage uh, more women and women of color um, to uh, to participate? Like, how do you make this space, whatever this this sort of nebulous metonym that film Twitter, whatever Twitter is, film Twitter is like? Uh, how do you make that space more equal um, in positive ways? So it was really about they talked about lifting each other up and lifting up new people, and like uh, one guy in the. Q&A said he had an eight-year-old daughter who wants to get into YouTube film criticism. Mm. And that was, that's so exciting to me. Um, I think that would be great. So That said, it's probably going to be insufferable. Because it's yeah, an eight-year-old. grow into it. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to be no. negative, but we all know that <laughs> but, that's not about her being a girl. It's about an eight-year-old talking about movies. Yeah, right? me? Dave and I but, are over here like, this is great. That's immediately where your mind goes to. It has to suck. But now, Jack, you were eight when you started, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jack, about five years young. ago. Yeah. Yeah. This is the joke. Right. Um, and then, uh, well, then I went to a thing and I did, I wrote up uh, that first day. I wrote up the first day. I, I went to a bar and had a uh, drink and some nachos and <laughs> used the Wi-Fi. I took, that was, the, I think, the key to me enjoying comic-con as much as i did this year was that i took it easy like i didn't try to rush from panel. like i was like there are going to be two or three panels a day that i really want to make it to smaller panels in between i'm not gonna try and cram my schedule i'm gonna go have a nice lunch somewhere have a drink i'm gonna use the wi-fi sit in air conditioning um relax and i ended up having a very good time doing that that does uh, sound very nice <laughs> yeah so, so i got to so i went in and i yeah i had a margarita and wrote and then i went back into the convention center to a very specifically nerdy panel that um ended up being a, a delight is this was no this year is 2017 20 years ago buffy the vampire slayer premiered so you're thinking buffy, buffy the vampire slayer reunion right yes Buffy the Vampire Slayer art department reunion. Um, and it was full of just awesome stories and like specific stories and also things like obviously anyone who would attend the Buffy the Vampire Slayer art department reunion is probably a pretty big Buffy fan mm-hmm. like I am. And so there were every, like every story they would tell someone would say the, the, the production designer or whoever would be saying like, and then we built the, Oh, what was the name of the monster? People would be like a Kafla, like, <laughs> like shouting out like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was it was delightful um uh and they told stories like you know the wb is what it was back then it was a small network this was a small show these weren't like vets of you know television <coughs> art direction and art art department like these were people who had worked on like mostly like indie horror films and they talked about how they were on this lot they weren't on like the studio lot they were on this lot in santa monica that kind of out of the watchful eye of the of the network and they like 
now after 20 years of being becoming vets, they realized how much shit they did wrong and how many union rules they broke and how much danger they put themselves in often, uh, like taking, you know, climbing up scaffolding to hang lights on like 150 feet in the air or whatever. Like, um, it was a lot of, a lot of interesting stories. Um, in the audience, uh, the ate it up and it was, it was a delight. Um, the other thing that I thought was very funny, one of the guys, there were one of the questions at the end was like, um, what's your favorite set or, you know, non main, like not main set. What was your favorite, like small set? And one of the guys was like, uh, um, he was trying to remember the name of, I don't know if you guys are, I know you aren't, are you, I don't know if you're a Buffy fan. I just started watching it. Oh, actually. Okay. So you yeah. haven't gotten to season six. So you probably haven't, no. you, you haven't seen the fast food restaurant, the double meat palace. So he was trying to think of the name double meat palace, which of course someone eventually shouted out. But the first thing he said, was like, you know, you built the, he was saying to the other guy, he was like, you built the fast food kitchen where the monster came out. And he goes, well, I guess a monster came out of everything, <laughs> um, which is kind of like a good summation of seven years of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. A monster comes out of everything. Um, so that was a, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then I, uh, I'm glad I made time to go cause I had skipped last year because there was some conflict, but I like to go to the shout slash scream factory panel. Um, because that's just like, a, it's like, it's not a particularly interactive panel. You don't have a lot of big stars. It's basically the people who work at shout and scream and produce these DVDs, just essentially listing off, showing you art. Um, and that sometimes it's not even the art that's going to be on the Blu-ray, but showing you here's what we have. It's just an hour of listing. Here's what we have coming up. And it's so much fun because it's like, it's like making a Christmas list as a kid. Like yeah, you just get to look at true. like all this great stuff. And, 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 and um, uh, uh, they're putting out um, John Landis's Into the Night. They're putting out Joe Dante's Matinee. That's very exciting. Nice. They're putting out The Plague Dogs, which is an uh, animated movie that's supposed to be very uh, harrowing and depressing. I've never seen it. Um, they're putting out Mac and Me, which I think is dumb. <laughs> I've never seen it. It's dumb they're putting yeah, out, but it's they'll also clubs. sell a billion copies because uh, people will want to say they own Mac, the Mac yeah. and Me special edition Blu-ray. <laughs> people want to say that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, they sold. They sold it as a. Uh, I think everyone here probably knows this this reference. They said we're putting out a Paul Rudd movie, and then <laughs> oh, let's, yeah, yeah, let's show a clip. Yeah. And they showed the clip that Paul Rudd always shows. Yes, um, they're doing Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead special edition, um, and Which they great cover too. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that one they did have a finished cover art uh, for. It looks very cool. Um, and they also showed a bit of the because they're also producing special features for everything they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they showed a bit of the interview with Ty Burrell. Um, uh, which is fun to think, you know, uh, of who he is now because of Modern yeah. Family and how he's this lovable goofball. But he like had a career of playing assholes. Yeah. Who the minute you showed up, you were like, <laughs> how soon until this guy gets it? Yeah. Um, and so he talked about uh, the clip they show was specifically him talking about the um, his his death. Spoiler, but talk about him becoming a zombie. The this, the the shot where he gets shot in the head. Um, and they showed some behind the scene footage of, of him. Like it's not just a screw in the back of his head. He had essentially like a reverse vacuum all the way up his shirt to shoot. Cause you can't just have a little blood when you're making the Zack Snyder. Course, yeah, so to shoot an entire geyser of blood out the top of his head. I love it. If Zack Snyder made another movie like that, uh-huh. like especially after seeing the justice league trailer at comic con. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which doesn't look bad. It was just a trailer with a lot happening in it. Not a yeah. particularly good trailer. And I just think, yeah, I'd just like to see him do something smaller, maybe more, not personal, but uh, different. I think, I, I, I think, think when, smaller is a, that's fine. But I think more, uh, less like 
trying to be serious and more like exploitation. I think that's yeah. what he's like. He, yeah. he shines at that. Like the Dawn of the Dead is his best movie. Uh, I think because he's having sort of a lot of nasty fun with it. Uh, and now that he's like weighed down with this ominous, you know, portentous uh, DC universe. Yeah. And he's such a visual storyteller. Like drama is just not what I associate with him right away. And, Batman vs Superman is like a two and a half hour drama like for the most part. I mean, when you think about it, it's a lot of interior yeah. talking, fighting out an hour. Yeah, I would like to see him just do something more, um, yeah, different. Um, all right, let me run off a few more here that uh, shout and scream. These have all been announced. They get, this is the same problem you probably have, Jack, covering Hall H, is, 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 is that in 30 seconds of shout or scream announcing their titles at the panel, mm-hmm. they have announced them on Twitter or on the website. So, uh, all of these have been announced since uh, the the panel, but uh, so I said Dawn of the Dead, Darkman two and three because they did a Darkman a few years ago. You can find my review on the website. Uh, Cyborg, the Van Damme movie, the two thousand eight The Strangers with Liv Tyler and Scott. Oh, yeah. Is that Scott Speedman? Is that who's in? There? Yeah, Scott Speedman. Yeah, um, they're doing Drag Me to Hell, which is a great nice. movie. Yep. They're doing Misery, oh. uh, and they're doing Silent Night, Deadly Night, which a lot of people like. Oh. All right. Um, <laughs> I think that's it for Friday. After that, I met up with our, our friend Kyle from, from Nerdist. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, what did you do on Friday? Friday, it was just another Hall H day, where I think that was Netflix's day. And they brought Death Note and Bright. And most of the questions were, like, what's it like being at Netflix? What's the difference? A lot of that talk. Like, I went to um, a press conference later in the day, and that's what most of the questions were. But they even asked, like, Chris, about Christopher Nolan's quote about Netflix. Did you guys see right. that? Yeah. yeah. Where he's like, why would you? None of them said anything about that. Yeah. But it's just, I feel like all those Netflix movies are going to be treated that way for many years. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm... I'm not a purist like Christopher Nolan, so uh, yeah, and it's okay both, with people seeing movies however they are able to see them. And he's also different because it's just no other filmmakers in his position. Right. So of course he has that attitude. Like, why would he make a Netflix movie? Yeah. But actually, I didn't realize till the end of the day. Like, I thought the bright footage was good. Like, I I like David Ayer though. So David yeah. Ayer cop movie mixed with fantasy just sounds right up my alley. But that was not popular with most people I talked to. I think the the film Twitter universe is very anti-Max Landis. And I think as a personality, I don't blame him. Yeah. Blame him. yeah. Uh, he, he comes off incredibly obnoxious. Uh, but I mean, I like the American ultra. I People did too. like Chronicle. I did too. I like the, um, Superman miniseries. He wrote for DC. I don't know if you read mm-hmm. those guys, Superman American alien. Uh, it was a seven issue series. And the idea that it was that it, there were huge time. It was Superman's life. There were huge time jumps in between. So he's like a boy in one, and then he's like eleven in the, the next one. He's a teenager. Like it was. A, it was a cool series. So I'm cautiously optimistic about Bright. Yeah, because um, like but, yeah, definitely when some people see that movie, they'll see his name first. But to me, it's like that's David Ayer. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. he's enough to get me interested in a movie. Yeah. Even after Suicide Squad, like. I also I've talked to people that saw so many different cuts of that movie. Yeah, I don't think what we saw was really what he wanted. Um, I never saw Suicide Squad. The only David Ayer movie I've seen is Fury, which is um, a good first two acts. Yeah, uh, and then a uh, really dumb. Uh, <laughs> I think the movie really regresses in the third act. It just comes to a grind. Yeah. like that movie like did not need any plot really. Like mm-hmm. the first hour and a half of just those guys. Like, yeah, not a fan of the third act of that movie either. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, but I do feel like we've gotten to a place, uh, and maybe this is actually, um, good that we were in a place where I have to qualify 
being excited for a Max Landis movie. Like I have to say, <laughs> I understand that Max Landis yeah, yeah. has said a, has said a bunch of awful shit, um, and I don't condone that. That yeah. said, I've been interested enough by his stuff uh, in the past to uh, to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah, likewise. And then uh, Death Note. What do you guys think of that one? Uh, I didn't. I haven't seen the trailer. Um, I haven't read the manga manga, um, but I like Adam Wingard. So me too. I love the guest. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, they showed a clip from that, and that movie looks so self-serious, but the clip was not at all. Like It was actually very funny. So I'm curious what that movie's going to be like. And I haven't talked to anyone that saw it at Comic-Con. I know, that's weird. I, it showed at Comic-Con, and there were so few reviews. I think, I want to say, I don't want to put words in someone else's mouth, but I want to say Jen Yamato liked it. Oh, did that's she? That's like the only Twitter reaction that I saw. Yeah, I didn't see any reactions. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Um, yeah. And, and what else was there on... Friday, uh, not much. I think that was about it. I covered okay. just those two. I like that I, we're going on a huge. <laughs> well, I guess you're saving Saturday, right? Yeah. Saturday, there's a lot. Okay. Saturday, there's a lot. Yeah. Uh, anything you wanted to talk about on on Friday? Sure, because it was my last day. So yeah, that's uh, right. So yeah, uh, I started the day by having uh, lunch with uh, Kate Kulzik and her violin. Um, <laughs> she actually did have her violin with her. Um, no, she didn't. She did. Really? But it was like her travel violin. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, um, was it just Kate or was because Kate's sister was at Comic-Con as well? She came uh, to our meetup. Th- right. Uh, I think she was going to, and then I think she opted to stay at uh, the Indigo Ballroom. So Kate and I went and got some barbecue. Um, Where'd you go? I don't remember the name of the place. I think it's called Gasland Barbecue. Huh. Um, it's quite good. Um, Can I say one more thing about Friday? Yeah. I just sure. remembered. I did see the Preacher panel, which reminded oh. me to watch season two because the clip they showed was great. But I liked it right when I walked in the Hall H. The first thing I heard was a Seth Rogen's laugh booming <laughs> over the microphone. <laughs> and it was just like, yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> it's is a very Preacher, soothing laugh. Is Preacher good? I think it's very good. All right. If, you're, if you like their sense of humor. Okay, well, that answers that. Um, <laughs> Is that a no? So, uh, increasingly, yeah. yes. Um, so then I, I wanted to go to the Tick panel, but uh, I was unable to get in. The line was very long, and I even showed up so that I could get to the go to the panel before that. But the panel before that was DuckTales, so that oh, was also very long. That was because David Tennant was there. Oh. And other... The, the DuckTales cast is amazing. I don't know if you've looked wow. at the voice cast, but... If David Tennant's going to be in person at Comic Con, people are going to right. It's that Doctor Who horse shit. So um, <laughs> I, I try to stay posy when it comes to Comic Con. I am I I am tired, stressed, hungry, and I'm feeling uh, particularly caustic today. I apologize. Yeah. It's um, too hard for me to be negative at Comic Con. People are just too happy. Well, you'd seem like a, a natural smiler. I'll say that. Like that's that is mm. how I'm picturing you at this point. Like. <laughs> From now on, I think when I think of Jack Drew and I will think Happy of lucky. Uh, just a big old smile on his face. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, I like it. But I went to, so I was just like, I'll just go to this other panel. Oh, and I love this other panel. It was great. It was uh, one guy, uh-huh. no moderator, just a guy by himself named, named, I believe, Craig Miller. He was the Luke. He was essentially like the sole Lucasfilm publicist. From Star Wars to uh, Empire Strikes Back. Now, of course, he had a, a team, but he was in charge, and it was all so very makeshift. That's awesome. Um, and like, it's weird because it's such a machine now mm-hmm. that he just tells these stories about, like, yeah, so we thought we'd do this, and then we did, <laughs> like, and that's <laughs> the end of it. And so it's stuff like he thought, hey, you know what we'll do? People are so excited for 
Empire Strikes Back. Let's get uh, Mark and Carrie and Harrison let's, and uh, James. Get them in here. We'll do like an 800 number and have them just like reveal small facts about uh, <laughs> Empire Strikes Back, which they did. Uh-huh. And then he's like, well, makes a little bit of money and, you know, get people excited. And so it was like 1-800 and it was like 525-1980. So it was May 25th, 1980 would be the release date. Uh-huh. And so they did that. And apparently in Illinois, AT&T or, uh, yeah, I think it was AT&T. For some reason, they were handling the uh, the connection and they were so flooded with calls that they actually had to shut everything down in Illinois. And then AT&T called Lucasfilm and said, all right, look, you need to uh, put out a public written apology and you need to take the blame for this thing not working. And he's like, Oh, all right. So he put out this giant thing. He's like, this thing is so popular. It's just like, we're, it's like, we're sorry to AT&T, but Boyle, like just, and they didn't even realize like the corporate people had no idea that they were even giving him permission to make them look like dopes, uh, with this apology. So it's just stuff like that. And it's really, it's really fascinating. And so I talked with him briefly afterwards and, uh, Oh, so uh, and he has a book coming out next year and uh, is willing to do podcast appearances. Incidentally, let's yeah, mm-hmm. let's, let's get that booked. Um, What's the book called? What's the book called? I don't remember now. I don't uh, have it in front of me. We're but gonna have to uh, have this guy on the podcast to remind us all of the name of the book. That's true. You know what? But I think I'm going to cut him off every time. <laughs> did, he, <laughs> did he talk about because um, Star Wars had a presence at Comic Con nineteen seventy six before? Before Star Wars, the A New Hope came out. Yes, he did talk about that, and uh, when it was in like a hotel. Right? Yeah, and there were like six thousand people there um, at the at the mm-hmm. convention, and and I and he said that uh, at a time when it was unheard of for any one thing to like bring everyone in. Uh, so there were six thousand. I believe he said there were six thousand people at the convention, and then when it came time for the Star Wars panel or whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it uh 4000 of them were there uh which is insane to yeah. think about um so yeah and so he talks about a little bit about that and he talks about the that um that he at, at one of the Hollywood theaters when Star Wars first uh opened they had like a case full of of props like a like a, a stormtrooper helmet and stuff like that and uh, he th- and so he thought like uh, someone could steal these and these are the actual props and we're probably going to need them again. So he put out he put stickers that said replica on them because then <laughs> people probably wouldn't steal them and they didn't. So because like you really can't afford to lose these things. Um, but, so it's just it's like it's all this makeshift like like uh, you know fly by the seat of your pants type of thing that uh, that was really fascinating and completely the opposite of what we think of when we think of Star Wars now. Yeah, that'd be great. Just um, the publicist today, Lucasfilm. Just put replica on. I know I won't take it. I'm like, uh, Jerry, you're fired. <laughs> we don't do this here. That here at Disney. Um, you're reminding me. Uh, we have what I one thing I haven't talked about is celebrity sightings. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, now at the Fandango party, I saw a celebrity that only I care about. Well, I know a lot of people care about, but I, no, no one else I know cares. Even my wife was like, oh. Uh, but uh, I saw Murr from the Impractical Jokers at the Fandango party. It's very <laughs> exciting. <laughs> Um, because I love the Impractical Jokers. I see um, Impractical Jokers while I'm at the gym, uh-huh. and it stresses me out. Oh, it it should. It's Ugh. it's so it's so great. It's such a great show, especially 
like the pranks they do. I don't know if you've have you ever watched actually yeah, seen yeah. how they, so they do pranks and there are people who like win or lose. And if you lose enough of the pranks of the show, you have to do a punishment. The punishment is always the best part because it's uh, it's that they come up with stuff that is like so so like they had one where they had Sal had to attend like a an evening of people reading. Uh, from the books, like the book reading, but like you read, people are working on books and like right. and read a passage from this thing that I'm writing, right. like a writer's workshop. And they sent him in, like saying, "Here's what we've written for you. You can't look at it till you get up there." But that was a that was uh, a trick because what they'd really done is they'd changed his ringtone on his cell phone to a song that they'd written and composed that goes. Whose phone is ringing? Mine. Mine. <laughs> and they kept calling him and told him, you can't put your cellular phone on silent. So they kept calling him. Um, there was a, uh, another panel where um, Q had to, uh, or another punishment, this, this was a panel. He had to appear the, uh, as an expert on women's issues on a panel of where the moderator and everyone else were women. And all he had to do, all they told him, all he had to do is politely disagree with everything they say. <laughs> I, I love this show so much. So when I say I saw Mer, that was exciting. Uh, leaving the women of film Twitter, Ryan uh, Gallagher uh, pointed out like, Hey, that guy walking right in front of us is Matthew Modine. And I was hey. like, Oh, his hair is so blonde. Was he wearing a bandana? Uh, no, he was. Oh, really? Okay. I say that because at the strangers thing panel, he was just wearing like all denim and a bandana. So yeah, it was a good look, and he's taking photos. Um, and then uh, what made me think of this is uh, we were talking about how the Comic Con used to be in a hotel, it used to be in the U.S. Grant Hotel on Broadway. Uh, and I went there to meet up with an old friend that I hadn't seen in years and years, and had had a drink, and saw Matthew Modine again with um, John Benjamin and Eugene Merman. Uh, and I told my friend that I was like, and he was like, Oh yeah, I think all the Bob's burgers people are in staying in this hotel. We saw Kristen Shaw earlier. Hmm. Um, but, uh, two Matthew Modine, Modine sightings in, <laughs> in, in one day. Anyway, after three, you get some kind of weird prize. <laughs> um, there's usually that like every year, like one cool sighting. I, that when I saw Kim Dickens walking around the Hilton, I was like, Oh my oh, God, it's Kim cool. Dickens. Yeah. It was pretty stoked about it. I did not have any this time around, but I believe last year, Bill Paxton. I saw Bill Paxton walking down the street. That, that's a good one. Uh, maybe the, uh, yeah, that was last year. I saw him at Comic Con one year, and just like anyone that came up to him for a hug, would he would give it? He was of course him and kind of his fans. Ugh, so sad. What a loss. Um, so okay, I went to the world premiere of the DC animated Batman and Harley Quinn. <laughs> Review to come. <laughs> Boo hiss. Don't give your whole review away. <laughs> oh, wait, did you just? I think I might have. No, it's uh, the issue, I think, is first off, I will say that they definitely are visually trying to tap into Batman the Animated Series. Um, this seems to almost exist in the same world as Batman the Animated mm-hmm. Series. Um, and for example, at one point, they go to like a, a, a dance club where like various thugs and henchmen hang out, and so you get to see like all of these henchmen throughout the years and all that and uh and uh, two faces like twin thugs are like singing a, a song and then everything turns oddly sexual it's like you know they're twins right this is gross mm-hmm. um but uh and then captain clown is dancing it's like he's a fucking robot get with the program <laughs> come on uh but 
But I think what got me is that, so the opening credits are, are great because it's like Catch Me If You Can. Um, or it's like the end of The Incredibles. It's mm-hmm. like this very simplified kind of animation that basically shows like, oh, Harley's always going to get Batman and screw things up for him. Stuff like that. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a comedy. I kind of like that. Uh, and it is, except when it isn't. Mm-hmm. And when it isn't, it's actually, there are moments that are actually kind of powerful, but then it undercuts them with a com- with a bit of comedy that is not comic relief. It is completely counter uh-huh. to the drama and it wound up being this just frustrating thing where I'm like how do you want me to feel because uh, I you're having me go back and forth between these things that are not actually compatible the other thing that bothers me is that ugh, there's I'm sure you guys will remember this from like when you were kids or sorry now uh, uh, that's to Jack who is uh, Very, uh, notoriously yeah, if they yeah. haven't mentioned it yet yes um, <laughs> This idea that like, oh, I know we can be more adult by somehow being more juvenile. Do you know what I mean? Um, I get to get an example. Like, for example, uh, the for uh, uh, any kind of uh, uh, sexual reference, mm-hmm. uh, and there are several that are very overt. Um, one in which Harley is eh, kind of gonna rape Night Nightwing, but everyone's laughing. Uh, like it's. She he does not want to do this. And uh, anyway, but she has him tied to a bed because she knocked him unconscious. Anyway, but everything's... How's Nightwing going to get out of this one? He acquiesces eventually. And uh, and then oh, okay. and, everyone in the, and everyone in the theater is like uh, all thrilled about it. And I was like, you know, this he does this eventually, but he really didn't want this to be the case. Anyway, that's yeah. neither here nor there. There's a weird um, thing um, with that with a crowd. There's definitely been those moments where just that crowd energy, you know, they just really want to be excited where you've watched some like uncomfortable scenes play out and yeah. there will be a cheer. It's like, I don't know. I don't think you're supposed to, you're definitely not supposed to be cheering yeah. at this. Well, and I, th- I honestly think that we are like, it shows like at one point, like Harley Quinn is like bent over and you can like see her underwear and all that. And it's just like, and everyone's like, whoa, I was like, it's a oh, fucking God. cartoon, man. <laughs> oh, um, so it's this thing. It's like, it's like, they're trying to show that, Hey, we're, we're PG 13 or R cause there's some language in there as well. It's like, we're mm. PG 13 or R it's like, really? Because you feel like a 12 year old to yeah. me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. when I said that, okay. I know so exactly what you mean. It was just very frustrating. Um, boo hiss. Boo hiss. Um, so after that, uh, it was short enough that I uh, went to, as I always do on Friday nights, uh, at Comic-Con, not every Friday, I'm not insane, <laughs> uh, I went to the Christian Comics Arts Mixer, uh, where the world of Christian Comics Arts, which is has expanded into like discussion of film and that kind of thing, uh-huh. they're the same people that put on Alpha Omega Con, and so... At this point, I know a lot of the people that are there, um, and the guy moderating is this guy, Ralph, who uh, who runs Alpha Megacon, and I've helped out with some things okay. that, here and there. So anyway. When you say mixer, it doesn't sound mean... There's a panel, and then afterwards, people can hang out for like 45 minutes. Okay. Um, which they didn't. It was fun. But uh, so at the panel, I was uh, sitting in the audience, and uh, the panel was starting, and then uh, one of the panelists was talking, and Ralph was kind of looking out at the audience and saw me, gave a little nod, and I said, you know, I, I waved hello. And then he actually got off the stage, walked over to me sitting in the audience, and I thought he was just going to be like, hey, how's it going? Because we hadn't seen each other since, mm-hmm. I think, WonderCon. Um, so he leans down and he goes, hey, do you want to be on the panel? And I was like, what? The panel is happening now? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, we got an extra mic. You want to go? <laughs> I was like... Did you know any of the other panelists? 
Yes, I okay. knew I knew uh, two of them um, from Alpha Omega Con, and so I thought, like, yeah, okay, fine. So I went up, and I was an impromptu panelist on this. Uh, so you didn't get a little card. I didn't. So I feel like I can't count it now. Um, something that happens at every Comic Con all day, every day, is that people who are on the on panels look at the little note that says, "Please note that some audiences." I can almost quoted from memory because everyone makes a joke. Some audience members may be under 18, watch your mouth, whatever it says. Um, do they bother putting that on the cards of the Christian (laughs) panel? (laughs) You know, some, some of us do swear. I know. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You throw in a few gosh darn (laughs) it. Well, I think, yeah, we, uh, we, yeah, we did get a, uh, you you guys swear when you get hit in the, in the teeth with it. That's true. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. There's no Bible verse that uh, deals with that. Um, no, uh, Ralph, he said, so he said, uh, so, uh, Tyler, now what are you doing? And I said, well, shit, well, here's what I'm doing. I didn't say that. Uh, but I was, so we talked about things and, uh, uh, started having larger discussions about, uh, Christians within art and, and the, the frustration there. And then the frustration of like being forced by the money people to like make stuff that is heavily compromised artistically so that the theme can be front and center. And so it's, it's very interesting. And then, so on top of everything else, the guy sitting next to me has a film coming out uh, sometime this year called Canal Street, and it's a real movie with uh, Lance Reddick is in it and a number of other mm-hmm. actors uh, that are like name actors, name character actors that are fun to see. And he looked really familiar, this guy sitting next to me. And so when uh, when the pound's basically over, I said like, because he mentioned he and he mentioned he was from Chicago. Oh, okay. And so I said, "Do we know each other? You seem really familiar." He goes, "Yeah, you're ringing a bell too." I said, "I did." I lived in Chicago for a while, and he said, where do you go to school? I said, Columbia. He said, when did you graduate? I said, 2004. And he goes, that's when I graduated from Columbia. And I was like, were you in the film department? He said, yes. So I was like, all right, okay, this is checking out. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then, like... I think st- you're still working on it when it's like... It's, it's, but the it's thing like- is, we went through every class that huh. we had, no overlap, none at all. So I was like... So I said, like, do you know uh, this person? No. Do you know this person? No. I was like, okay, we don't know any of the same people. We're in none of the same classes, but him talking was enough to get me to recognize him. So it's like, well, this is clearly it. Columbia is it. Uh, And it was very frustrating by the end. I wish I hadn't talked to him at all. Yeah, Um, I'm not remembering you texted me. Like, do you remember so-and-so? And And I was like, no. And you said, damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's how I read it in your voice, at least. Yeah, that's about right. Um, Um, And then after... So it was really awesome getting to be on the the panel. Speaking of Lance Reddick and celebrity sightings, I saw Lance Reddick (laughs) the night before Comic-Con. Oh, okay. At uh, Pitfire Pizza in North Hollywood. Hey, nice. Mm. Place that you and I have been... Uh, Indeed. Before. Um, uh, you got in trouble there once. I'm just how remembering. do you get in trouble at Pitfire Pizza? So we were supposed to meet. We well, I got hit in the teeth. <laughs> and there are all these kids around. We were going to a thing to see our, our friend, uh, friend of the show, an inexplicable fan favorite, Jason Eakins, short film. Yeah. Uh, at a short film festival in North Hollywood. We were meeting beforehand uh, for lunch. I got there first. You went and I sat down and had my little number waiting for my food. So you were like, all right, I'm going uh, to go order. And then you came back like 15 minutes later with like hot dog and fries and a Coke. Because there's a place like from Vicious two do- Dogs. Yeah, two doors two, down. Two doors up and sat down on the patio at Pitfire Pizza. And I was like, I don't think you're allowed to do that. And you were like, we're outside. That was your whole argument. We're outside. And then when they brought me I think my, it's actually a pretty good argument. When they brought me my food, the guy did specifically say like, 
it's okay because he's eating our food, but we don't normally allow that. Well, and I think that was honestly, it's like, yeah, we're not, if both of us had vicious dogs, we're not going to sit down and pit fight. It's because you were yeah. there. So it's like, all right, you got half the business. That's not bad. I guess. Yeah. So, but, uh, I would, when I, I had forgotten about that completely until I just mentioned yeah. you and I going to pit fire pizza and um, how you got in trouble. So, and then as I, as I was about to leave, I saw a friend of the show, Kale McCann, uh, oh, sure. improviser and, uh, and actor. And so, uh, said hi to him. And then I left at 1am and got home at three. And uh, I was very tired by the end. That's so. a nice drive, though. And that it was wonderful, yes. Yeah. That's why I tend to miss uh, preview night, because I don't want to sit in any traffic at all. So I usually leave at about 10 p.m. <laughs> but anyway, so that was my Comic-Con. I wish that I had been able to stay longer, but I had stuff to do. Yeah. What about the train? You don't take the train now? I don't. No, thank you. It's uh, a I ride. Oh, the train's I'm, great. I have done it before, but it takes a long time, and I started to get bored. Mm. Um, no, I love the train, but since... The last two years, we have stayed further out, like outside of downtown where we have free parking. Yeah. And also, so it's like parking's free and also it would be a hassle to get to our hotel from the train. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when I used to stay at the place that was on Broadway, so I live a block or two from the North Hollywood train stop. I could walk to the North Hollywood train stop, take the train to Union Station, change the train, take the train to San Diego and walk a couple blocks. Like I basically get from my apartment to my hotel at Comic-Con by walking three or four blocks. Um, that was very nice when I used to, used to do that. And I love the train, especially the train down to Comic-Con on Wednesday. Uh, especially if you, if you get the, if you, if you, uh, pay for business class, it's a party cause everyone's going to Comic-Con and you get to see some yeah. celebrities. That'd probably be fine. The business class thing. Um, I think that just, I also, I like the freedom that a car can provide. Like mm. I can go some, I mean, don't get me wrong. Once I got to the hotel, I just, it just stayed parked there. But, uh, but yeah, like when I would stay at Chula Vista, for example, um, at the end of the night, it'd be like, Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm here now. Maybe I'll just go see a movie or something right. like that. So, um, you took the train. No, this year we just drove down, but every, pretty much every year I take the train down and I, yeah, I love that ride. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think like at every stop, like if there were times where I was dreading Comic-Con, I'd be like, I could just get off at this stop right now. Like <laughs> and it's usually like a beautiful beach down. It's like, I just could start over right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love telling stories about how much easier Comic-Con used to be. Cause I remember once, like I had a ride down with a friend and I was going to ride back with him and he was like, Oh, I'm actually going to a thing Sunday. Like when I'm not, he like, wasn't going to end up driving back to Los Angeles till 10 PM Sunday night or whatever. And I was like, fucking done with comic-con i gotta get home so i went to the train station and bought a ticket home like right then there's no way you couldn't buy a ticket home no. on the train station within two months of comic-con yeah, yeah. comic-con years earlier did feel easier like i remember when prometheus was just there i just walked right into hall h yeah like there was no line it's like that would not happen today yeah so um, saturday are we are you guys on to saturday at this point yeah i'll just talk a real very quickly because i didn't do that much and i know jack did a ton yeah. so uh, i went Full to the, day i went to the archie comics mm -hmm. panel uh which is something i like to go to because i like archie comics um and um they announced uh because uh, they they show like with the shot factory thing they show some of like here are the variant like cover arts we have or here's the next few issues uh you know but one thing they announced i guess earlier this year they had done a um because they do like Archie Nightmare, which is like Archie horror comics, which mm. are really cool. Uh, and they uh, like they do Afterlife with Archie, where Archie's a zombie, and then they do Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is my favorite comic. It's funny because we talked uh, about that, and it's on my reading list. And then literally the next day, someone else was telling me to read it. Yeah, it's so good. Um, 
Uh, and so I guess they had done a one shot earlier this year in which uh, Jughead was turned into a werewolf, um, and they're turning that into an ongoing series called mm. uh, Jughead. Uh, Jughead the Hunger. So Jughead's a werewolf, and um, Betty Cooper is a werewolf hunter. <laughs> um, so that should be delightful. And then the one I really wanted to single out on um, on Saturday was uh, the last thing I did, which was the Bold Voices of Contemporary Horror, which is the second mm. year in a row I've gone to this. And this is it's it's terrific because like in general, even when there are movie panels at Comic Con, obviously there are a lot in Hall H or uh, I mean, but outside outside of Hall H, it's still generally like big studio movies or something, you know, you've got like the art of big hero six last year mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, but like, uh, there's not actually a huge presence for independent film at comic con. And for the second year, I think this is the third or fourth year that I've done it. But the second year I went to this bold voices of contemporary horror and it's like young independent, uh, horror filmmakers. You've got, uh, Mickey Keating who made carnage park and has psychopaths, which is coming out. Uh, they showed a clip from, um, and you've got Mariana Palka, um, who is also an actress, um, but her, her film Bitch uh, played Sundance and is coming out um, in mid to late August. And that had some other... Uh, oh, you know who Mariana Palka is, because you, Tyler, just watched Glow. She's the uh, Olympian, Vicky Viking. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but she's also a director, uh, has made a couple of films. Um, and it was moderated by our friend Amy Nicholson. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was... I'm not going to... I'm not going to sit here and claim that we've had some sort of effect on Amy. Um, but conversation wise, it was like a, an episode of battleship pretension. It was like, let's talk about sort of general ideas. So they sort of talked about like, it's everything it, I want a panel. to. Uh, yeah. They talked about like, is this current movement of indie horror? Is this, um, is this a step forward? Is this post horror as people were calling it? Or is this actually a throwback? Is this classical? Is this a throwback to the <clears throat> pre slasher days when, horror movies were more known for being character based and, yeah. uh, you know, and atmospheric and stuff like that. Um, and they just talked about what is, you know, what counts as horror. You oh. know? And, uh, and then they like also that. had a, a tangent where everyone, everyone in the panel, oh, and Elijah Wood was on the panel. I forgot to the most, in, the most uh, famous person on the mm-hmm. panel was Elijah Wood, but they had a panel or they had a section where everyone just talked about how much they love romantic comedies <laughs> because, because Amy was like, you know, could this happen somewhere else? Could we be looking at, uh, uh, a sort of contingent of post post rom com directors who are all friends and work together, um, and they talk about how much they like romantic comedies. But they also sort of arrived at no, probably not that it would, there wouldn't be that kind of community because there's not a basically there's not a fantastic fest for rom coms. Right. <laughs> there should be. <laughs> yeah, and I would also love to see a resurgence of star driven romantic comedies. Yeah, I feel like we don't see much of now. Uh, yeah, there are not. Yeah, there aren't a lot of like big. Um, studio romantic comedies, hmm. um, especially like good ones. I mean, we had a run of Catherine Heigl ones for a while there. Um, I feel like we talk so much shit about Catherine Heigl's movies on this on this podcast, but they've she, kind she of run become the face of like what a, people I think immediately associate with a studio rom com. Yeah, I think that's a part of it. Yeah, yeah, and also uh, uh, you know maybe make better choices next time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, hey, there's that thing for actors where like some actors I like because it's just obvious they have good taste. Right. Yeah. yeah sure. Um, yeah, so, uh, that was a good time. It, I, every year I say I should go to Fantastic Fest, but I also, I don't know, I'm intimidated. <laughs> Have you been? Oh, yeah. I've only been once, but it's a great time. Why, why would you be intimidated? Uh, everyone who goes seems like, well, they're probably huge nerds, but to me, <laughs> it seems like a cool kid <laughs> event. What? No, we're bloggers. We're cool kids. 
Uh, I guess I am pretty cool on the oh, yeah. on the blogger <laughs> barometer. I'm pretty cool. Um, so then, yeah, uh, that's uh, that's all the panels for Saturday. Saturday night, I had my traditional sushi with uh, Ryan Gallagher. I really um, was bummed I missed that. Yeah, a new place though, because the our old place, the place we've gone for like is six or seven years, is closed. So we went. Uh, Why? Yeah. I know it's a bummer because that that. Pl- it was, it was called Dragon's place Den. That, it was a sushi place that served me chicken. It was great. Yeah, I had French fries and stuff. But also it had like a sort of, it was like a, it was a sushi restaurant, but it had sort of like a nice like patio bar type yeah. feel. It was like a hangout. Whereas this place we went, like made a, made a reservation, had like a table and it just it felt like, anyway. But it was, the food, the sushi was good. Um, Aaron Newworth and his girlfriend Anna joined us and then we went to the bar, hung out with with people and then I met up with Jack again uh, at the house get away from this guy Um, and then at some point I went back to the hotel like the the, as that night goes on it gets a little bit diffused but um, yeah yeah, it was a good final night Um, did you do anything on Sunday or did you just leave uh, I had um, lunch and margaritas with Kate uh, sort of a Sunday tradition Um, uh, and then um Here's what I'll do. I'm going to tell a Sunday story and mm. then we'll end. Cause you, did you do anything on Sunday? I did. Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. So we'll end with your Saturday and Sunday. Okay. I'll just tell a Sunday story. It's a, it's a much different experience of the shuttle driver okay. than Tyler had. So I'm like, I was supposed to meet Kate for, for lunch. And I was, and she was like, I, uh, she was like, Oh, I have this panel. I can't do it. I can either do it like in two hours or two and a half hours or I can do it in half an hour. And I was like, I'm leaving the hotel now. I can be there in half an hour. And then this bus driver, first off, this guy gets on at my stop and says to her, can we stop at this other hotel that isn't on our route to pick up my wife and kids? She says, sure. Right? On the way to that, she stops at another hotel. She sees, she sees some people who are like, oh, we're, this isn't on my route, but these people, we have room. These people need. She stops again, picks up some people. Two of them who sit right in the front and say they make the mistake of saying hello. And the reason they make the mistake of saying hello is because they have British accents. And then the rest of the drive, the bus driver does not stop talking to them about, okay, how long are you in the States? Where are you going? Here's what you need to do in San Diego. Here's what you need to do in San Francisco. Here's an app that you should use to book hotels. Here's what you need to do when you go to Las Vegas. So much so that she missed our fucking exit. Wow. And was this like unwarranted advice? Like not even just asked No, for? they barely even got a word in. I wouldn't have known they were British if she didn't keep saying it because I couldn't hear them talk. All she, she missed. So I, I like look up and like I see downtown coming. I'm like, all right, at least this will be over soon. Look down my phone. Look like I'm, I'm like, wait, where did the buildings go? Like I think I realized right before she did like that she had missed her, her, her exit. So I ended, I ended up being, uh, 15 to 20 minutes late to lunch with Kate. It had to be a very rushed lunch no. because of this, uh, very annoying, uh, <laughs> shuttle driver. So that's all of my comic con Jack. What's Saturday and Sunday for you? Saturday is a very busy day of mostly Marvel Warner brothers. And yeah, that's one panel after the other this year. They also had stranger things in Westworld, which mm-hmm. for, for me, they were the most fun panels. Um, but yeah, Warner Brothers this year, they just brought Justice League. That was it. I thought they would have brought a lot more. And it looks like Justice League. Did you watch the trailer, Tyler? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of it? What do you expect, right? Yeah. It looks exactly, exactly as I expected. Yeah. And it's not that I thought it looked bad, but again, just not a good trailer. 
And then they showed just like a tiny bit from Aquaman. Jason Momoa, I thought, was amazing during the panel. Like he came out just like a rock star throwing chairs around. There's a one fun bit where someone asked, like, like a little kid asked, like, is, Bat- is Superman going to be in this movie? And uh, he just said, <laughs> he just said uh, sorry to tell you, kid, but su- Superman's dead. Oh, who said that? Uh, Jason Momoa. <laughs> it was a big laugh, but he's just bringing the news to the kid that Superman died. Oh, yeah. What? It was a very fun moment. He said he told his kids that Superman did not make it. And in the trailer, Superman's clearly back. You don't sure, see sure. him, but in the frame. I mean, of course he's coming back, but... Um, yeah, and then Aquaman, I thought he actually looked... Even in that uh, Justice League trailer, I thought he was the highlight of that. I like seeing a superhero that's a little bit more... Uh, edgy? Well, I, I mean, we've seen edgy superheroes before, but yeah. Not it's, even edgy, just like, you know, he was just riding the Batmobile, like excited. Yeah. Like, I think he like a little Yahoo going down on some... Whatever they're fighting in that movie, I don't know what they're fighting. Just these CG creatures. Yeah. Which I don't yeah, like. nobody knows exactly what they're fighting. It's to me, like, that's the worst of the worst of superheroes for me, where it's just them fighting just a bunch of faceless uh, bots. It's not the most cinematic. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Uh, so, uh, here's what I'll say real quick uh, as we were talking about Justice League. Um there was a bit of a pressing emergency for David. Hopefully everything is okay. So he is now gone. So listeners, you are only going to hear me and I guess Jack, um, who for some reason I've decided to be uh, mean to uh, on this episode. So <laughs> I apologize. Right. Again, it's the constant <laughs> smile. I feel like he'll be fine. Um, so, okay. So... Justice League, I'll say this, one because uh, I didn't really watch the panel or anything, but I did see that clip because leading up to the Justice League panel for the last few days, it's been like, oh, is, is Ben Affleck going to be out after Justice League? Has he just had enough? And it sounds, and so I saw a clip where it sounds like he's really putting those rumors to rest and saying like, or at least trying to. At least trying to. Um, I feel like the people I've talked to that had heard that, before those rumors even came out, mm-hmm. we're very skeptical that he would return. And even after he said that, we're kind of skeptical. But mm-hmm. I, I say that not knowing, and also just um, just from what I've heard, it's just rumors, and I we'll see. I would like to see him stay playing Batman. Though, I would. I it's the like best his part Batman. of this uh, universe so yeah, far. Like he's great. Him and Jeremy Irons and J.K. Simmons. Are you kidding me? Gal Gadot too. Yeah. Gal Gadot. Yeah, it's. It's uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, hopefully, and it, also it in a Matt well. Reeves movie too. Like I feel yeah. like he would get to make the movie he wanted to. But you know, doing the whole like summer reshoots and just all the press. Like I can imagine how much time these movies yeah. take up. And I do wonder, like, this is the director. Of, how does the director of Argo and Gone Baby Gone want to spend yeah. their time? Yeah, it just it really. I guess there's that. Maybe that's that's the element. But just. So my friend and I were talking about like the news of that and just had this thought of like, I'm not like a horrible Marvel fanboy or anything mm. like that. Um, you know, if, if they make a movie that's not very good, then I will say it's not very good. But what I will say is that there's definitely a plan. And if you're involved in a Marvel movie, you are in to the end. Yeah. And I think it's because they probably treat you pretty well and you're going to have fun. 
That does not seem to be the case with Warner Brothers. I don't know who's steering the ship. I guess it was Zack Snyder for a while, but I feel like there needs to be somebody outside of even any one director, like Kevin Feige or whatever at Marvel, who's saying like, okay, here's what we're all going to be working towards. This is what each movie is going to be. And while you know, I don't necessarily like the idea of somebody dictating how a director should make a movie, hmm. um, I do think that if we approach this sort of more as a series of very long episodes of a TV show that, uh, yeah, you're going to need a showrunner. And yeah. I feel like Warner Brothers doesn't have one. No, and I think they just announced that, or I don't know if they announced a story came out that Zack Snyder is kind of, his involvement will be less yeah, going un- forward. Understandable. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, like so many other movies, I'll see it because uh, <laughs> I feel like I have to because I do this. Um, but yeah, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> a lot of people, but <laughs> I'm, yeah, I guess so. Uh, you know what? I think maybe the thing I'm most curious about, I I'm excited to see Ben Affleck. Um, cause I liked what he did in Batman versus Superman. Um, what about Wonder Woman? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I guess, and you know what? I'll bet after the success of the film, I bet you will be played up quite a bit. Yeah. I don't so imagine. that'll be good. Um, more in, more than anything, I'm intrigued to see Ezra Miller not be a, a moody, type um and it looks like he's really like he's actually acting and that he's he's kind of playing this goofy uh fast-paced person but you know you watch we need to talk about kevin and i just yeah. watched stanford prison experiment and then there's fantastic beasts and it's like boy yeah yeah a lot of <laughs> this guy's a human slog when you said that i was like is, does he play a lot of dower roles and then when the title started going through my head i was like i guess maybe with the exception perks of being a wallflower but right. that goes to some downer places right. like very serious <laughs> yeah so uh so I, I i remember the casting of him i was like all right i guess i'll trust somebody though i don't think they've earned it yeah and it's interesting like i think with those serious dramatic actors some of them some of the best i think cannot play charismatic or work in those kind of movies but he seems like an actor good enough that can do that yeah yeah uh, it'll be nice to see his range so okay saturday Yes. What else do you got? What else? Uh, Westworld. They actually had a teaser for that, which they put online, but I think they shot that for like a week or two. Yeah. And like already had something and it was just mostly just char- like shots of characters. Yeah. And to me, that was some of the best footage I saw just seeing those characters again. And the cast was out there. They told us nothing, which is fine. It was just all kind of about season one. Sure. Which is nice. And then Stranger Things, that kind of brought the house down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trailer is very cool. Even though I wasn't a big fan of the use of Thriller. The cover of that they have, yeah. I think. Uh, I just think I, it's I'm very obvious. Res- I'm resigned. Oh, I'll be, yeah, of yeah, course. Which I'm is not different for that it. show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they can make some obvious choices, but it's like, well, of course that's going to help. It's thriller. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's going to sound kind of cool. Um, so that was a treat. And then Marvel, like, that's just, nobody can top them. And yeah, or even try. Like, they put on a full show. Like, yeah. um, they even showed, like, Avengers footage, the trailer they had for that, yeah. even though the Russo brothers weren't there and a lot of people weren't there. Um, and that was a treat, but the Thor Ragnarok footage, that to me is probably my favorite of everything I saw just cause it felt like a Taika Waititi movie. Yeah. Uh, that new trailer actually excites me a little bit less. Really? Um, maybe because I don't know, there was just something about when I saw the, what I guess could be the teaser trailer. I was just like, all right, it's like this arena thing and Jeff Goldblum's in charge and here's Hulk. And like, it just seemed so different. Mm. And then in the new trailer, it's like, okay, it seems to start different, and then it's back to the formula. There are the tropes where I did think, like, this feels very different, 
But at the end of the day, yeah, it's still a superhero movie. Yeah. So and that so is the downside of the Marvel model that I was talking about. You have to paint within certain lines. Yeah. 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 Um, so okay. Uh, now, what day was Ready Player One? Oh, that was Saturday as well. Okay. Were you there? For I that? was there for that. Okay. And I Your thoughts. Very. Oh, maybe cool. I'm going out of order. I'm sorry. No, it's not a problem. Uh, I thought it was a cool trailer. It's Steven, like to me, what was most exciting was like not just seeing those vehicles or just the things any fans can respond to, but just like seeing Steven Spielberg make a big action movie. Yeah. Like and having a DeLorean go through a chase in Manhattan. Like, yeah, I'm, I left really excited. Just curious, like what he will do with that book. Cause I don't think that book has a lot to say. I think it's a fun book, but very fluffy. Yeah. Um, but I just can't see him making a movie with nothing to say. And if he does, it looks like a pretty fun action movie. I'd say that's probably true. Um, when I saw the, the trailer, I'll say this, the first half of the trailer excited me a lot more than the second. Cause like very few people can do wonder like Spielberg. But then once the action kicks in, it's like, okay, now I feel like I'm watching something that anyone could do. I don't know. Yeah, there's that. But also like, I just, my mind immediately went to like this, the long take from Tintin. Like I think I'm only sure. Spielberg could do that. I but suppose. it also, the opening, yeah, that was great. But also just thinking about like recently minority report AI and just so many other movies. He's just such a great world builder yeah. that I do want, kind of want to see what he does with like the Oasis. It's not that recent anymore is the problem. Like hmm. those movies are, are 15 years old now. And since then he uh, has done movies that are less than you think so. I, I haven't felt so. that way. I mean, you've got, you know what? Admittedly, there are movies of, that he's put out that I haven't seen, hmm. which that in itself is very rare for me. I didn't see war horse and I did not see the BFG. Yeah. I'm a big fan of most of what he's put out, but it's okay. interesting. Cause I feel like he's very consistent and yet some of his movies can still feel kind of overlooked or underrated. Mm-hmm. And I think cause we just expect greatness from him, but I also feel like it's a time thing. Like I, like how will Lincoln be looked at 20 years from now or yeah. these other movies? Like we're looking at them in the shadow of the classic movies from 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. So I do think like how will time affect these movies? Like, will they be looked at as beloved as his old ones? Yeah. It's hard to know. I feel like we are kind of in a period of, and I'm sorry to put it this, this way. Uh, I feel like we're in a period of minor Spielberg. I feel like the mm-hmm. last thing he did was Munich the same year as war of the yeah. world. Like those two things and the way they were able to actually kind of work together was fascinating. But even something like Lincoln, I think is, if you had not said, if I didn't know he had made it, I would mm. not know. Yeah, I can see that. But Munich is, that's up there with his best, to me, unquestionably. It's like a top three for me. I yeah. think it's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Um, but uh, but you were excited for Ready Player One. You couldn't, uh, who all was at the panel? Spielberg uh, was there. Yeah, Spielberg was there, Ernest Klein, and Ernest Klein told a fun story about how he drives a DeLorean and he got Steven Spielberg to sign it. So he just rolls around in a <laughs> Steven Spielberg signed DeLorean, you're shaking your head. Which I've seen you do many times throughout this episode. It's either shaking the head or the sigh. It's like, that says it all. Yeah, see, because you've listened to the show. Isn't it fun to see it now? Just see my perpetual exasperation with things? There's so much going on that radio, this cannot pick up. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's... uh, I mean, that that comes out this year, right? Uh, March of next year. March of next year. Most of the cast was there. Um, Spielberg was there and everyone went nuts. Of course. I mean, he's great with crowds, of course, but, uh, yeah, I'm just excited about the new Steven Spielberg movie. Not so much an adaptation of ready player one. 
Yeah, I guess maybe that's the way to look at it. My friend uh, Josh uh, read the book. He he likes to read books of like movies that he's kind of looking forward to that are coming up. So he read that and said a lot of what you mentioned that like this feels like it's a concept looking for something to be about. Hmm. But then it forgot to be about anything, and it just is the concept. It gets to the end. It kind of makes the obvious point, right? And that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, okay. So what else? So uh, Saturday. What? It sounds like that was your busy day. Yeah, Saturday was busy. They didn't have anything from Ant Man and the Wasp except some concept art. But they did announce Michelle Pfeiffer is going to be in it, which I was very excited about. Cause I was just getting off watching a Michelle Pfeiffer marathon, <laughs> so it's like. Yeah, uh, for work, for work, writing about Michelle Pfeiffer. Sure. That's fine. There's who, nothing wrong who, with who that. Who doesn't want to do a Michelle Pfeiffer marathon? So let's see. You got your fabulous Baker Boys. Mm-hmm. You got your... Uh, Married to the Mob. That Married to the Mob. You got your Batman Returns. You got your Dangerous Minds. I would throw in What Lies Beneath. Okay. I'm a, I've grown... That's the movie I grew up... Like, it's really grown on me. Like, when it came out, not a fan. Now I think, like, not a very good horror movie, but a very good movie about marriage. Oh, geez, boy, I haven't thought of it. I haven't thought of it that way. I guess I should rewatch it. No, it's a movie that I appreciated more the more I became familiar with Hitchcock. Oh, yeah. At the time, I was like, I don't get this at all. And there's so many great moments at the bathtub scene, um, the dolly, like, down to the floor, the camera looks up. There's so many great Semeckis touches in that one. Um, But... uh, yeah, is Michelle Pfeiffer going to be the villain in Ant-Man and the Wasp? Because if so, that's unfortunate, because they're not great. No. They're villains. They're not. They're really not. But she's playing, um, I hope I get the name right, Janet Van Dyne, uh, Evangeline Lily's mom, and oh, Hank okay. Pam. She was the Wasp, the original right, Wasp yes. that okay. sacrificed herself in the previous movie. So okay. not sure how big of a role she's going to play, but I think she's fantastic. So My guess is she'll play a very small <laughs> role. Get it? Yeah. Because she's all shrunken down. You're yes, welcome. I got it. Thanks. You're welcome. Best part of the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. See, David obviously was hindering me from making Holding you back. jokes like that. Um, I'm glad he's gone anyway now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm going wrong. I hope everything's fine at yeah, home. But at course. the same time, I got to make my dumb wasp joke. You might um, not have if he was here. Exactly. Yeah. He would have given me a look and I would have known to be ashamed of myself before I made the joke. Um so okay, so what was out? What what next? Other things, um, Black Panther. Okay, yeah, which was very cool. And someone, a friend of mine, put it well, where like the opening of it, it's just a scene in a club, an action scene, and he said like this feels like better. This feels like a Bond movie better than any Bond movie Ooh. in a recent while. And like even the set will just remind you of like the scene from Skyfall with like the out the lizard. It, it had that feel. But the thing that I really liked about the Marvel footage this year was that I feel like they get criticized for how. Uh, their movies usually aren't don't have a very distinct look, right. especially the early ones. These do. They all looked and felt very different. Uh, color choices, the costumes, like mm-hmm. they look like they each had more of a personal stamp visually. Right. Um, and yeah, that was that was a nice thing. But especially in the Avengers: Infinity War, like that brought the house down. And like every moment in that trailer was just like the moment you imagine ending every trailer, just that cool little moment. Yeah. Uh, has that trailer been released? Because I actually haven't seen it. It has not, no. Ah. But you just, it's one of those things where you just, it's what you would hope for seeing certain heroes combine, like using their powers together. Right. Not much story, just mostly action. Do you see any uh, any Adam Warlock in there? Who's that? Oh, my friend. <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> so here's the deal. So you saw the second Guardians, I assume, right? Yes. Okay. 
So in the initial Infinity War series, or the Infinity Gauntlet series, as I knew it in 1991 when I was reading it, and you were not... 1991? 1991. I was just being born into hey, the world. Hey, that's exciting. It's a good uh, year for me. <laughs> so... Um, so there's some overlap. That's fun. So, uh, yeah, and one of the one of the interesting things is it's so like it's all these heroes versus Thanos, and he destroys all of them basically. But there is one hero who I was unfamiliar with at the time, and most people were. He's kind of obscure, and his name was Ad, uh, Adam Warlock, and he had this golden skin. Well, I don't think so. Sorry to break it to you, but at the end of of Guardians, there's that gold race and they make reference to this pod where they're growing this new entity named adam yeah i remember being very excited about that and just thinking like oh you know i had forgotten about him completely i'm curious to know what they're going to do with him if anything i would bet i would think they would do something with that i mean now they have the door open but um now i think about i don't i didn't see any gold people in the avengers trailer that's unfortunate but i will say speaking of weak marvel villains thanos did look clearly the biggest threat they face in those movies. Oh, and sure. I did really like Josh Brolin's presence and it clearly looked like they haven't gone up against someone this powerful yet. That is, uh, that is something that I like about the casting of Josh Brolin is that Thanos, when you think of it, he's this intergalactic villain. He's got, he could have a certain majesty to him. Like they could cast some British actor and do that, but they cast this very distinctly American. Yeah. And very in the moment. Like Mm. he's my favorite part of like inherent vice. Oh yeah. Um, he's just a very interesting actor. And so for him to play that part, I feel like there's going to be an edge and an unpredictability to Thanos that if they had cast a more magisterial actor, I feel like you wouldn't have that. Yeah. Can have a little bit more of a brute force, I guess. I think so. Yeah. Something that to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bring a little Bigfoot Bjornsson to him. Exactly. Yes, yeah. I forgot the guy's name, but yeah. now I'm yes. By the um, way, have you seen the deleted scenes for an Aaron Vice? I have not. You get to see one of the best book Bigfoot scenes that did not make it into the movie. Oh. And it's like a four minute speech he gives that's great in the book. And it's just so uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's so strange and so weird. Uh, it's very Thomas Pinchon. I, yeah, I'll have to. I didn't even like the movie that much, but everything Josh Bowen was amazing. Yeah. Um, BP nominated for supporting actor, by the way. He did. Uh, for what film? Uh, for that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. So what else we got? Uh, I think that's pretty much it Saturday. Okay. Yeah. And then Sunday, you did some stuff on Sunday. Very little. I just mostly slept in <laughs> just to finally get some sleep. Sunday is the day to do it. Yeah. I took advantage of that and then walked the show floor. Um, it's funny. Like I had the experience, like when I walked, walked the floor thinking like, I'll buy something like a t-shirt or something. And I just leave empty handed. And I'm just like, is there just not a lot of stuff I like? Like, and then I usually just walk away with comics. So this year, my editor, he's just the super comic book nerd, just the resource to go to. So he was just kind of walking me around. Like, you got to get this, you got to get this, get that. But I'll tell you one really nice moment on the show floor was, um, I never read bone. Okay. Yeah. And he kept telling me, and I was like, all right, I'm going to buy it. And we went to go to the signing to you where Jeff Smith was signing and just seeing him with fans was really nice. Like I remember this one teenager brought on like a drawing and everything. And it was just like a really nice moment. And that's a really nice thing at Comic-Con to get to see. Yeah. Especially cause I've seen interactions at Comic-Con between fans and artists where they, it's quite clearly the fan is more excited to talk to them and there's, they're really not receptive. And it's really nice when you actually see them be, uh, genuinely touched by a fan's gesture very you know you know it kind of bothers me like you know you don't have to go to comic-con if you are not excited to meet fans 
you don't actually have to do this. Yeah. Uh, but I guess maybe some people feel like they have to, or the company says, Hey, you should probably do this. Yeah, I wonder I if know. that's like a contractual thing or something. Maybe. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's a thing that touches me. Like whenever I see a, a fan meet like a, a big star or whatever, and is just the kid is, is really excited and, and, and it's moments like that. Like we had uh, years ago, we had uh, Townsend Coleman uh, on the show. He's a voice actor, and he did the voice of Michelangelo mm. in the initial Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And then he went on to voice the Tick as well. Um, but you know, Ninja Turtles was huge at the time, and so there was a and there was this moment where this kid who was dying and did die eventually, uh, actually soon thereafter, he wanted to like meet the Ninja Turtles, but of course it was an animated show. So meeting the Ninja Turtles meant talking to them on the phone. Mm. So all four actors got together and talked to this kid on the phone in their character voices. And he was just like so excited. And it's just like, and in moments like that, you realize, yeah, that is, that is, I feel like people are, are quick to say like, ah, celebrities, you know, what do they know? What, who cares? Um, what do they know? Do they know things? Let's find out. <laughs> That's from Bojack Horseman. Um, but who cares what they have to say? Just do your job and move on. It's like, yeah, but sometimes your job is really important to certain people and you then have the choice to embody that if you want to. Yeah. And also appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like, Anytime, anytime a star is, is clearly grateful for the, I can't believe I get to be a part of this yeah. huge thing that's so much bigger than myself. Um, it's, it's always a very tough. And it does mean so much to so many people. Like yeah. for me, it is hard to be cynical about superhero movies where like there's one I don't like or two here or there. It's not going to yeah. make me radioactively hate superhero movies, but also just seeing all those kids like go nuts for those heroes and stories like the ones you told, there's countless of yeah. them. It's like, they just mean so much to so many people, especially children where yeah. you got to at least appreciate that fact. And when you think about it, like this is something I was thinking about the other day that the first Jack Nicholson movie I saw was mm. Batman. The first Al Pacino movie I saw was Dick Tracy. The first Dustin Hoffman movie I saw was hook. Like these genre movies that, you know, little did I know when I saw them that these were like the best actors of their generation and they weren't necessarily slumming, but they were doing something very different and they were actually capable of such tremendous subtlety. Um, and so, you know, movies like this uh, are, as I've gotten older, I, I think I try to embrace it. Yeah, they're not all good. And that's it's mm. fine to say that they're bad. But as a genre, because I know plenty of people who say like, ah, superheroes, who cares? And I can understand that to a certain extent. But when you realize that like everybody had to start somewhere. You know, the, the, somebody's, you know, one person's Marvel could be another person's Ray Harryhausen. I know plenty of people that like grew up watching Ray Harryhausen movies and that got them interested yeah. in movies. And that's what we have now with Marvel or even DC or any of these other movies that I feel like cr- critics are, are prone to dismissing. Right. And it's interesting because like I remember before like Iron Man and the Dark Knight kind of kicked off that whole superhero phase. Like for yeah. me as a kid going as a, and a teenager going to movies in the summer, like they weren't much better. Like, I yeah. don't know. Like when these super movies came out and they're like, they're ruining cinema. Um, it's like when I think back on like the other summer movies I saw that weren't super movies, I, yeah. they weren't very good. <laughs> yeah. It's summer is not the best time anyway. Yeah. So, and I feel like Marvel's actually pretty consistent. Like they got a few I don't like, but for the most part, their batting record is 
better than a lot of studios with those temple movies. If I were to take the entire MCU and give it a letter grade, I'd probably say a B to a B plus, which is really great. A B or B plus, like making a good movie is a miracle in itself. So (laughs) continually making solid movies like that's really impressive. And yeah, some of them drop down to C, but there are some A's in there as well. So yeah, uh, a series of what at this point, 15 movies, Something, Something like, like that. that. And yeah. also just like, I feel like the actors I like that are in those movies typically do good work. And yeah. it's like, they're great jobs, like getting paid very handsomely, obviously, yeah. but also just the opportunities it affords them. Um, and yeah, they do look fun. Um, so Sunday. Yeah. What do you got? There wasn't much like really just, yeah, I went to go pick up a few comic books. I wish I had more to say about Sunday. No, was, that's all right. I know it's, I always try to stay until the very end. Hmm. Be just enjoy Comic Con as long as it is there to be enjoyed. But Sunday is more for kids. Like the panels are more kid oriented and, and it's stuff yeah. that I don't know. And so there are times when it's like, okay, I'm going to stay until five, even if I'm not, even if I don't do anything. I often wind up leaving late Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, my my game plan is usually sleep in and hit the road or the train right sure. away. Sure. But sometimes I like that's like one of the better days to definitely hit the show floor as opposed to like Saturday or Friday, which is just I just don't like crowds. And if you don't like crowds, yeah. you're not going to like that show floor. Yeah. Um, have you ever been in the gas lamp about two hours after Comic-Con is officially over on Sunday? No. It's depressing. Is it? Because you just, you know, you're just so used to all these crowds, but by 7 p.m. on Sunday, most everyone is gone. And so, but like there was one year when my wife came down to San Diego after Comic-Con and we hung out in San Diego a couple days later, uh, a couple days more. Um, And so she, we met up at like 7 p.m. and we were in the gas lamp and you just look back at the convention center, this thing that was this hub of activity, and you can just see it's completely dark, it's completely empty, and there's no one around. It's like a ghost town. Oh, yeah. I had that, um, we got there a day before preview night. Mm. So I walked around Saturday night, and I saw the, con- like, the convention, and I was just like, it was just quiet. And I was like, yeah. yeah, right before the storm, obviously. Yeah. But it was such a nice feeling. And I'll say one other great thing about Comic-Con is the weather. Like San it was Diego, great this year. God, but that San Diego nighttime breeze, yeah. it's such a great feeling. Especially if you get some Caradelli's ice cream. Sure, obviously. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and this year, because uh, in the past, you know, if you're out in the sun, it's like, okay, it's getting kind of hot. Yep. This year is oh, so mild. Yeah. I wish I'd been able to stay another couple of days <laughs> on principle because of the weather. Yeah. Instead, I came back up here to the valley where it's consistently 95. So anyway, um, okay, so we'll go ahead and, and leave it there. Yeah. Uh once again, sorry that David was unable to uh, to make it all the way through. Uh, sorry, it's not an issue like he just couldn't handle it. Hmm. Uh, he was uh, called away, and I hope everything turns out well there. Um, but yeah, so just letting everyone know, you can get us a Battleship. David usually does this, so I'm hmm. probably going to miss something. You can get us at BattleshipPretension.com. You can email David David at BattleshipPretension.com or me, Tyler at BattleshipPretension.com. You can follow him at Davey Pretension. You can follow me at Tyler Pretension. Uh, you can check out my other podcast, More Than One Lesson. Uh, I took a three-week hiatus um, for what I will say is mental health. and But I'm back now and uh, for episode 199, and I talk about uh, Castlevania, as hmm. we talked about previously. So, um, And then uh, don't forget to follow us on in- Instagram and like us on Facebook. Jack. Yes. 
Where can people find you and your and your work online? Uh, you can find me at Slash Film uh, Monday through Friday, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, Jack G G I. But yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.